Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hmm? Ah. Hmm. Oh. Whoa, whoa, stop. No, wait, don't turn around. Finish what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Finish. Oh, yeah. Hey, where are you going? Clean up on aisle nine. You clean it up. <coughs> Steady. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Rima. And this is Better Call Saul Cast, episode five. This week, we're covering Better Call Saul Season 6, Episode 6, Axe and Grind. And uh, David had a family emergency, and so he's not going to be with us today. We are wishing him the best. He should be back next week. Uh, It has nothing to do with Karen. Just want to make sure you guys all know that, (laughs) because I'm sure that's probably everybody's first thought. She's fine. Absolutely. Um, But filling in, we have longtime listener, big Better Call Saul fan, Claire with us. Welcome to the podcast, Claire. Hi. So happy to be here. Glad to have you here. Completely prepared to mess up a few times on my first try, but (laughs) thanks for the uh, patience. Really good to be here. So uh, how have you been liking the season so far? Um, I've loved it. I've been thinking this uh, season has been top tier. Uh, Excellent. Like uh, it's, and I mean, it always has been, I think um, in the beginning it, maybe didn't have its footing quite as much as it does now. Um, and it wasn't, didn't have the excitement and tension that it, that it's built up to, but that's kind of natural in any show, but this season has been excellent. It's, I can't believe it's already half over. Uh, I feel like there's not mm-hmm. enough time for them to do everything <laughs> I want them to do, but um, <laughs> I'm not a showrunner, so they didn't ask me. Yeah. How dare they, they don't ask. I us, know. But- <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I was looking it up and, um, this show started in 2002 in the timeline within the show, right? And they are now, per the tax papers that Jimmy and Kim saw of the Kettlemans in 2004. And so it's only been a couple of years in the show timeline. And when we meet Saul in Breaking Bad, it's like 2009 or 2000, or around 2009. So like four or five years after where we are right now. So oh. they've taken six seasons to get two years and we still have twice that much length to go. I just think that the writers love Jimmy so much. They've so resisted wanting to move away from him, you know, <laughs> and go to Saul. Yeah, yeah but, um, definitely. Presumably there'll be a big time jump to come. 
Um, but yeah, they, I mean, it's, I, I've loved the show too. I've loved how it's gotten closer to feeling like Breaking Bad over time, but I also love that it has its own identity. And when I went back and did a rewatch, um, I mean, early on when I was watching the show, I thought, is this kind of boring? It's slow, but I definitely want to see every episode as soon as it comes out. So I guess I, I like it. And now when I go back, I, I just love it even more because it, it's really its own thing. And at the same time, as it's getting closer and closer to feeling more like Breaking Bad with all the crime and the tension and stuff, that's really cool too. So anyway, I don't know, kind of rambling, but <laughs> I mean, hmm. even though the slowness has built the tension, I don't think it's ever been slow without purpose. And mm-hmm. so, um, it, because uh, you would look at it and think maybe it's it's a little bit boring compared to Breaking Bad, or yeah. uh, I, I kind of get bored with TV shows if they're not really uh, intense. Um, Walking Dead and Breaking Bad has kind of spoiled me, but the tension has always been there underlying. So I think I, I think that's why it's it's never really felt boring, but slow. But it's been so artistically crafted that yeah, even this even the slowness has felt purposeful it's just a great for me i just think it's a great world to hang out in so well like you said well crafted and everything agreed all right well let's get into this week's episode better call Saul, season six episode six right axe and grind so how did you feel just in general you know briefly about this one uh i liked it it was a great episode uh definitely a lot of uh, build up again uh i think the last episode was was kind of a a, a lot of setup too for what's inevitably going to happen in this uh mid-season finale which i'm i mean i'm on pins and needles because i have no idea where this is going to go and what's going <laughs> to happen so it was again a little bit of a slower paced episode but i I loved every moment of it. I um, thought it was great. I I, I liked seeing uh, some more. I think when it's, even though when it, it does something slow, we get to see more of uh, some things that we want to see that we don't, haven't had an opportunity to see before, like behind the scenes with Howard, for instance. So yeah, um, yeah I liked it. How about you, Rima? I, I enjoyed it too. I, I've seen so many comments online that some folks are calling it boring uh, and not just this episode, but like this uh, season. And I'm just like, how? Uh, I, I know when I'm watching both times um, in, in prep for the show, it's it feels too short to me. And I watch on AMC Plus where there's no commercials. Um, so, of course, you know, at least you don't have that. But it feels like they keep getting shorter and shorter. And I'm always like, oh my gosh, what? You you cut it off here? You know, you just want more and more. It feels I so agree. short. And even though it's a slower pace, I don't think that's always a bad thing because I feel like they, for me anyway, I mean, I am still fully engaged. I am so enthralled with what's happening with our characters in that episode and where they're at and what they're doing and how I like this buildup. I'm really scared, you know, about what's happening. They've really done a good job of setting this up because I think that, you know, now we're getting all of our dominoes in place for something explosive, I think, maybe for the mid-season finale. And I'm a little concerned because I did read, uh, I can't remember where I saw in the article, um, but I did read that the showrunners did not know when they were filming this final season that there was going to be like this, like little split. Oh. Um, so they didn't write to that. They didn't write 
knowing that this was going to be a mid-season finale. So I don't know mm. how that's really going to feel. I, I, I'm assuming there will probably be a little bit of a cliffhanger, but I don't know that they wrote towards that. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if, because it does feel like next episode is going to be a turning point. And yes. I wouldn't be surprised if the higher up saw that and decided to make a thing out of it, you know? Right. Yeah. T- I, I, you know, look, AMC, they definitely always kind of look for, look for that final and bottom line right um well it feels like walking dead which better call Saul's never done before but they are they're calling it a mid-season <laughs> finale i'd never heard the term mid-season finale until walking dead um yeah. you, interesting i don't know yeah, if i have either. walking dead uh breaking bad did it their final season um they, well, yeah they, they spent a whole year their, but that yeah, was the whole like bullshit year. that was two yeah, separate was... seasons really <laughs> so it, when they yeah. said they were gonna five break a, five better B. call Saul <laughs> up in the two i thought it was gonna we were gonna have to wait another year for the next half so glad yeah, it's 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 strange how the, the the how they've decided to do that and put that time in there. But but either way, I do feel that something big is going to happen. I'm with you, Jason. I think it's going to be a, a big turning point because I think that whatever it is that's going to happen, we we know that this D Day is probably going to be what's in this next episode. So whatever is going to be happening at D Day um, is, is then going to set the stage for that. I think, in my opinion, the fallout. And that's what we're going to see in that, sure. that second half. Like if it doesn't go down somewhat like that, I will start to get a bit impatient. Like if next <laughs> week just feels like another setup and then the Howard thing's going to be when we come back from the break, that won't really won't fly too well. <laughs> but um, no, I didn't think, I mean, it, it felt even more like a setup episode than last week, but it's so entertaining and there's character building and plot progression and we're still yeah waiting for the scam to go down, but I really think it's going to happen. I mean, Kim's racing to make sure it damn well happens. So I think it's going to happen. <laughs> and you said people thought it was boring. I mean, I'm looking on Rotten Tomatoes and it's got a 100% and a 96% audience score. So at least the people that go on there are digging it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel it's more of a minority it's it's I don't think the majority of fans, I think the true fans and, and fans of the, the whole universe are not feeling that way. But right. there are you just know, the enough, 4% enough. who we will ignore. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. Well, and the bottom line is I really trust these showrunners. I think they have done. Yes. Absolutely. I, I, I can't think of a time in a, in a big way they've let me down with a decision they've made. I think it's timed. So everything is timed so well. Um, it's so meticulous and I, I trust them. So I think we're going to be satisfied next week. 100%. I don't think there's been one bad episode of better call Saul or I don't Breaking think so bad. either. No, I breaking bad is definitely one of my top five, if not top three shows ever. Yeah. And me better too. call Saul's right there with it. And I just, I, I, I worship at the altar of <laughs> Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan. So I I, I'm on board with whatever they want to do. I trust them. Absolutely. I wonder what they'll do next. All right. Let's get into the episode. What What's your first point, Claire? You can go first. Uh, my first point was uh, all the World War II references. Uh, HHM, it, they refer to that as uh, Omaha Beach, which also made me think uh, they – they they zoomed in on uh, Kim's uh, license plate from Nebraska. I didn't know if that oh, had any yeah. tie-in. I don't mm-hmm. think it did, but she's from Nebraska, apparently. Um, but <laughs> anyhow, like anyhow yeah. yeah, Omaha mm-hmm. Beach. So explain what Omaha Beach is in case listeners don't know. 
well, I don't, I, you think I'm not a World <laughs> War II historian? I, just, I looked it up. And so okay. they're talking, they're calling this D-Day. And yes. that's when the allied forces attacked the beach at Normandy in World War II or something. Right. And the, the name of the beach was called uh, Omaha Beach. That's all I know. But so when he says Omaha Beach, that's just like saying the site of the attack. So then I'm like, oh, so they'll be at HHM, right? And it turns out, yeah, that's where they were. Yes. But I think that also just lent to the impending uh, gravity of it all. Uh, he also referred to Kim as Eisenhower. Eisenhower wasn't on Omaha Beach when they attacked uh, mm. because Kim was disappointed that she wasn't going to be there, uh, calling it uh, victory in Santa Fe and victory in Albuquerque. Uh, just all of all of those references just, I, th- I thought, uh, just painted this... Uh, this scam in a heavier light than maybe just your normal scam. Like there's, it's, it's scary. Whatever's going to happen, I think, isn't just going to be pulled off like some scam and it's, you know, where Howard winds up looking like a fool. I think it's, there's definitely going to be some heavier consequences for somebody. I mean, it seems Mm -hmm. like it's going to be Kim, right? That's what I think. I don't, I, I don't know. I also have, been really scared for Howard lately because yeah I do worry for Howard Kim is so um adamant on doing this to the point where people in the audience are probably going why why are you doing this go to your meeting get what you really want which is to help disadvantaged people get good legal representation and so it feels like that thing that we've all experienced where something is pulling us to do something bad (laughs) and and you try to resist that urge. And when you don't resist and you actually do the thing, it never turns out well. I don't know. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but, um, (laughs) you know, sometimes you just, uh, you know better, but you do the bad thing anyway. And that's what it feels like Kim's doing. And I think it's going to come back and bite her in the ass, especially since Howard has his, uh, private investigator watching all this and i don't think jimmy and kim have taken whatever he's going to find out into account you know but we'll see we will see okay rima what's yours first point well my first point i just want to say r.i.p to the latte uh in in the episode (laughs) (laughs) with howard because he's he's my first point uh poor howard I <laughs> the care that he took to make that latte for his wife. I mean, it was a a whole thing, right? And I mean, that's that's not an easy easy thing. Um, and, and I heard he learned actually to to he had to learn how to do that um, for the show and actually made it pretty authentic. And I think he even really made that peace sign. So that was really cool. So the the care that he took to make that latte, and. I think that this, because um, we've never seen an episode with him at home. We were, you know, this is the first time we've we're we've we've always seen him with a wedding ring, but it's the first time we've you know like heard his wife being mentioned. It's this behind the scenes we're kind of getting with Howard, and I think they're trying to frame Howard in a sympathetic light. I think we talked about it last week, um, whenever he was at the the therapist, kind of talking about uh, him and his wife and the struggles that they were going through and things, and you know, we're like, oh man, I just feel really bad for him. And I feel really bad for him again in this episode. And I feel like between this episode and the last episode that we've seen him in, you know, I just want happiness for this guy. You know, um, the the way that he said probably for the best when his wife's like, no, you know, I'm going to go to the fundraiser. 
you know, um, by myself. And he's like, oh, yeah, probably for the best. You know, that was a, a very familiar f- familiar sound and delivery that he had when he was talking to Kim about when his father shut down his dream of going into his uh, solo practice. Um, if you remember that episode, you know, this guy is really hurting. And, you know, I, I'm really starting to kind of worry about him. And also with the fact that, you know, he's I'm a little worried. I, 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 I'm I, sure we'll talk about it and it might be one of y'all's points. I don't know. And I don't have a whole lot of notes about it because I don't quite know how to piece it all together yet. I guess we'll just have to wait for that next episode when it goes down. I still am not sure what uh, Jimmy and Kim's plan is exactly, but it feels a little um, like the chicanery episode with Chuck. Like this is kind of what it feels like that they're planning is something similar to that. That was the episode where Chuck, where he put a battery in Chuck's shirt pocket and Chuck freaked out in court and lost the case or whatever. Or, right. Well, and he's like, he you know, he, he did this. He set me up. You don't know him like I do. Yeah. You know, and he kind of rants and raves about it. And I feel like it almost feels like they're kind of setting up Howard for something similar. Um, you know, he, when he tells his wife, oh, hey, remember that thing I told you about, Jimmy? Well, you might hear some things, but it's OK. I got it covered. Um you know, I, I I worry a little bit that something's going to happen, um, you know, similar to that anyway, that's going to, you know, um, frame him in that way. You know, they're, they're, they're getting this, I don't know, whatever this medication or whatever this, sub, I don't know what it is, a substance that they got from the vet to, uh, you know, uh, uh, like highly caffeinate him or something um, <laughs> that, you know, makes his heart race and his eyes, eyes dilate. Like They didn't say they were going to give it to Howard, but it sure seems like they're going to dose him and put him in some situation that will agitate him so that he'll fly off the handle and Clifford Maine will be like, well, he must be coked up. Well, and is when, you know, the, the dilated eyes, you know, would yeah, maybe too, yeah. make him look like he's all coked out, uh, right. I guess. And, that, yeah. and I think Cliff, Cliff Maine would be the one to recognize that he's had an experience with his son and, and been through uh, a drug situation with his son. So I think he might recognize that maybe more than someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already know Cliff Maine's kind of, confronted him and try to have like a small intervention with him um, regarding that. Um, But I do worry for Howard though, just because, you know, he's like, well, I guess if you're, I guess it depends on your tolerance, um, you know, for caffeine is what the vet told uh, Jimmy, you know, cause he's like, well, is it going to, so you think they're going to kill him? He's going to have a heart attack or something. I'm worried if it affects, Mm. affects his heart. I mean, they, they wouldn't know. And maybe they wouldn't know if he has maybe some sort of heart condition. He was drinking tea instead of coffee. Um, when he made his wife that coffee, he was drinking tea. I know that there's caffeine mm. in, in some teas, but if he has a low tolerance for caffeine, what if they give him too much? And So Kim's in prison? Oh, good point. For murder? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like something bad is, is well, I do think there's going to be some bad consequences for Kim. I've got a couple theories, and I've talked about them before on this, but I am worried for Howard. Um, mm. But, you know, we were talking about you know, um, the show and the slow pacing, which I am totally fine with. I'm, I'm usually not, but with this show, it, I'm fine with it and I love it and I want more of it. And I think that's one of the, the geniuses of, of this show. And I think we've talked about it, how they don't spoon feed you, you know, they, they expect us to be, you know, to know these things and pick up on these things. I mean, when you have, um, a spouse that goes out of their way to, to, make this decorative latte for you and then she just dumps it in that mug and goes on that tells the um us as the audience way more than any hour of dialogue Mm -hmm. 
yeah. can tell you. Oh, yeah. Then like, Definitely. please come back to me, baby. Nope, it's not going to work out, honey. Nope. You just need that little coffee scene and you can feel all of that without having to be That's told. all you need. You get yeah. all you need in that yeah. scene, exactly the whole picture of their marriage without a whole episode yeah. to talk about it or a whole bunch of episodes with a bunch of segments. That's our job to talk about it, not theirs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I just want to, you know, kind of mention that as far as like with, with you know, people like, oh, this show's is slow or it's losing and i'm like no 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 i'm fighting for this you know it's uh, you know this the subtleties there is is mm-hmm. i just love it it's beautiful beautiful to watch agree Don't listen to the four <laughs> <laughs> yeah. percent yeah, that's that's all i've got i love that they give uh puzzle pieces with no context uh they uh, you obviously have no way of figuring out where this puzzle piece goes and you just have to wait mm-hmm. and you just have to invest uh, your your mind and your even a little bit of your heart uh, into the story to see where it all plays out. And so I love that they do that. I love that they expect us to be patient and not not spoon feed us. And um, because how many times have we seen an opening where we have no idea where this is going, and the payoff comes, you know, later in the episode or even in another episode? We have to or in another show. Yeah. 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 No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. It's one of my favorite things about this show. Yeah. Me too. But I can see how it wouldn't be everybody's cup of tea. No pun intended. Sure. And I mean, if you want to get the most out of it, it takes a lot of effort because I'm sure when we go back and watch Breaking Bad, we're going to notice more that we didn't catch the first time. But that's, it's rewarding, you know? Like, you don't have to get every single detail, but the more you invest, the more you get, I think. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I agree. I thought it was cool to see a little bit more into Howard's world than we've seen before and seeing him make his coffee and in his kitchen, it's this big, beautiful kitchen and house and spacious with these big bay windows and it reminded me we saw so many breakfast scenes in breaking bad at walt's house mm-hmm. and oh, this the, is the such desperate a breakfast yeah <laughs> and that's a small little you know house and this is like it's one it hits on one of the themes of these shows which is class and um you know that show was all about uh, walt's desperation because he didn't have enough money to take care of his family here we have a guy who is rich but still unhappy he can't <laughs> make it work either but uh i don't know i just thought that was an interesting contrast and then he does the cappuccino with the peace sign which fits into howard has a certain kind of spiritualism you know he has his namaste license plate which means the divine in me bows to the divine in you and i suspect it's he came upon that as part of his business practice a lot of times in business uh, you learn meditation and you, maybe you learn some, uh, Buddhism or something like that, just to sort of learn how to handle stress gracefully and learn better interpersonal skills and take on more ability to take on more work. I know at Apple, we had a, um, a meditation teacher come and I took the classes and it was, it was awesome. But then some people kind of look down on it cause it's not like you're not a practicing Buddhist. You're just dabbling or whatever. But, um, that's the thing with Howard. You can look at him two ways. A lot of the times you can see him as David does as this total pretentious douchebag, but I think he's trying, you know, (laughs) I I think you could also look at him as a guy who's trying. He he's the kind of guy who, if there's a problem, he wants to take care of it. And 
you know, he tried to help and he can be pompous or a little full of himself, but I think overall he seems like a pretty good guy. I mean, as in as much as what we didn't love Chuck, uh, and he had his faults. I mean, he was a devoted friend to, to Chuck, you know, went above oh, yeah. and beyond, I think. For, Chuck is for more Chuck of a douche there. than Howard. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, sure. when, when you watch the earlier seasons, you know, he was very devoted to Chuck. He was there all the time, visited him, respected. Mm-hmm. Like, his, I mean, all the stuff know, he did, like keeping Jimmy out was just to please Chuck, too. Right. Yeah. All that. He was. Yeah. Chuck was behind all of that. But Howard took the hit for that. Yeah. Because Jimmy didn't know until, you know, later that it was Chuck. So, you know, and he was a devoted friend to him, did all kinds of things for him, went out of his way to keep him like active in the practice and respected his his ailment. And if he decided to come to the office, had the whole office, you know, you know, do everything they could to, to respect him so he could he could come in. You know, he I, I'm not saying he's perfect by any means. He's definitely had some asshole moments, but yes. And mostly with Kim, so maybe it makes more sense why Kim would be the one to have the biggest vendetta against him, although I think it's outsized for what she experienced. Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, um, Howard, first appearance of his wife, Cheryl, who I would say looks like you'd think Howard's wife would look, kind of buttoned down and gorgeous, um, but seems like a really capable person. And um, anyway... um, he put all that effort into the coffee. She spilled a little bit of it, which I, we heard on the Better Call Saul Insider podcast was not scripted, but they kept it in. And mm-hmm. it reminded me, I had this friend who was going through a bad patch in his, well, it ended up in divorce, but with his marriage. And he bought his wife flowers for Valentine's Day. And he was upset because she just left leaves and plastic all over the place and barely cleaned it up, you know? And, um, maybe put put it in when she was putting it in a vase. I don't know. But um, it just reminded me of that. And I think she, they, they divorced soon after that and totally reminded me of that. Um, and, and I think, you know, it seemed cold that she just didn't even appreciate it and poured it right into her thermos. But also she was on her way out the door and it just shows that they're, that's not what she needed right then. And they're just not connecting uh, but also, I mean, mostly it's that he's wanting, he's wanting to fix things up and be closer and he wanted to go to the benefit together. Well, if it'd be easier, we could go together. And she's like, no, I'll just go, which is a little selfish. Like she could have offered him to go. So I don't know. It, it's just sad because you can tell that she's figuring out how to manage things so they can continue to separate and be apart. And he's wanting to be together. I think she's checked out. I think he's wanting to try and put forth an effort, but you can't be the only person to put forth the effort. Um, if if the other person doesn't want to, then it, it won't work. And she just no. seems, she looks like she's already out of the relationship. She might physically yeah. be there, but she's, she's already gone. I feel like. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest problem with relationships is when the interest level isn't the same, but especially if one person's just not interested, then mm-hmm. it's not going to work. Yeah. So, but my, my first point is actually about Kim. Um, we got this opener with young Kim in trouble for shoplifting a necklace and earrings. And, uh, when they go out, you know, all that stuff happened, but then they go out of the store and the storekeeper is with Kim saying, you know, you got to find mother, 
you don't want to disappoint her. And I was like, where is she? Is she in the bathroom? But it turns out she was ripping off the store <laughs> for a few <laughs> seconds, I guess. Uh, and I thought for a second that they were, maybe they were pulling the scam together. But no, it's clear Kim did that without her mom knowing and then got caught. Yeah. Mom says, I didn't know you had it in yet. Like she's proud of her. Uh, but on B- Better Call Saul Insider, Peter Gold was saying how they resist giving characters their fortune cookie summary. You know, that he was almost not wanting to talk about this scene because he doesn't want to boil the characters down to this one event. Just the mm-hmm. reason why you are what you are, which totally reminds me of how I talk about Fear the Walking Dead, where they I feel like they have character cards that that spell out what the character's about and then the character says them out loud all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And then one of the other writers was saying how the, yeah, the characters on our shows are the sum of things that have happened to them, not just one thing and that, and that they're complicated. But I, but even saying all that, I think this was a, a moment that illustrates a few things about her that, and I, I'm not exactly sure about any of this, but, curious to know what you guys will think about what I'm about to say but um I think Kim was maybe happy her mom was being so stern about this you know when she was in there saying oh Kim that's you know I can't believe you did this you're gonna be in trouble on the way out of the store Kim reached for her hand and I thought it was like how kids need structure and, and discipline and someone they can count on to like firmly guide them through life. And for a second, she thought she had that. She, <laughs> I, I firmly believe she was doing the, well. She may have done it just to get her mom to get upset, right? I think she <laughs> did this to get force her mother to parent her. Right. I could totally see that, yeah. And then it was a disappointment to her that it was her mom, it was a ruse and she just ripped off something herself. And it, it reminds me of my own childhood. I, my mom, you may have heard me mention before was only 18 when she had me and she was a kid herself and she used to shoplift. And one time we got an Atari 800 and we went at the store and she showed me she had a game and I was like, awesome. And I couldn't figure out how to play it. It was a flight simulator. So I'm like, where's the box? I need the instructions. And she's like, oh, I don't know. I think I threw it away. So I looked through the trash. Oh, maybe it's out in the car. And I I wouldn't shut up about it until finally she admitted that she stole the game. <laughs> and oh. I was really disappointed, you know? And I said, we should take it back. And she's like, oh, no, they don't need it or something. And um, so I think when I saw this scene with her mom, having stole that necklace it reminded me of that it it's just like oh like where's the person in charge here (laughs) you know and and i think kim had this experiment experience again of she needs to be the one to parent herself like you were saying but also it gave her an experience of someone really prominent in her life maybe the most prominent person bullshitting their way through a situation like Jimmy often does. And, and I think that's one reason why she's attracted to Jimmy because she's comfortable with this. And I think we often unconsciously seek out things and people and situations that mirror things from our childhood for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Kelly Dixon on the podcast pointed out that Kim still wears that necklace. I don't know if that's actually true. But, she wears um, the earrings. 
those little triangle earrings. Yeah, and they've shown them often throughout the show. Scenes with Kim that I think there was a scene where she was at the gym once a couple seasons back and she had showered at the gym, was getting herself fixed up for work and had put her earrings on. She twirls them a lot, like she fidgets with them sometimes or she'll turn them, like if she'll fidget and then she'll turn them like just so because she's Kim Wexler and she mm-hmm. likes them just so, making sure that they're facing the right way. Um, so they've shown them often throughout the show. I'm like, wow, she, I remember commenting or internal dialogue, like, wow, she wears those earrings a lot. I think I, you know, I've seen those before. And then to see them in, in that episode, those are, that's when her mom shoplifted. I'm like, "Uh, that is a, that's a, that, that means something that she still wears them. Yeah. And I, I don't know everything that it could mean, but I know one thing, it's a constant reminder that the most important person in her life was something of a con artist, you know, and, and that's with her all the time. And, and she, at the beginning of the show seemed like the opposite, like totally straight laced by the book, work hard and legitimately, and you'll get what you want. And I also, in my experience, like you rebel against your parents. And sometimes that means being like that. Like my parents were pot smoking hippies. And so I never did anything like that in high school. I drank a little, but I stayed away from any, anything else. And I think it was in part as a reaction to what I saw at home. And, uh, but then sometimes you grow up and you look in the mirror and you're surprised to see that at least in some ways you actually become your parents. I think a lot of people have that experience. And so I think there's something like that going on with Kim and her mother where she may have thought she was rebelling, but she's actually taking on some of her characteristics and being attracted to other people who have that too. I don't know. What do you guys think? Am I missing something big? No, I'm just like in awe no. that you guys noticed earrings from seasons ago. And <laughs> I'm just so impressed did, that, that you've noticed all that. I'm like, oh, I've never even noticed Kim wearing earrings. Or well, me neither. I did do a rewatch before we started this season, and and I don't know. Sometimes I I don't remember every single detail for sure from this show. There's plenty of things that that Jason's brought up, that David's brought up, and I'm just like, oh yeah, shit. yeah, I totally forgot that. But something about I, like I love Kim. Kim Wexler to me is just one of the best uh, female characters in for me TV history right now. Definitely. She's absolutely fabulous. And I just when she's on the screen, I just I am I'm in and I'm on her and I, I want to be her right at least at this moment. I don't know, maybe I, I'll just change my mind later depending on on how <laughs> this week. all turns out. Yeah, stay tuned. But <laughs> I don't know. Something about that has always, because I always pay attention to her and those details. So that, that always stuck out to me was because, because you know, that something always means something on the show when they focus on something, you know, that yeah. to me means pay attention because that probably means something later or it's going to tie to something. So they always kind of did the earrings and that stuck out to me. Yeah. And they may have not had this in mind. I mean, they often go back and look at things and True. go, huh, th- how can we make that meaningful? You know? Which, and that might be either but, way it still works yeah, you know in the yeah. story the earrings did stick out but yeah the other thing i feel like we've learned from this is this thing that we saw with her and her mom is it feeds into her thing about how just because someone acts and looks like an authority as her mom was doing with the storekeeper that you can't trust that and it, and maybe it's kind of bullshit and um maybe that's why one reason why she's so offended at Howard, like Howard, or maybe Howard represents 
this thing she wishes her mom was just perfect. Like, yeah. But then this little girl inside's going, that's not real. That's bullshit. Cause that whole opening with Howard and his sharp shoe suit and he has a shoe shine machine at home and there's this <laughs> yes. old like fifties Perry Como song and he's a bit of a ward cleaver. And, um, and I wonder if that's just so offensive to her. Cause she just like, that's, that's all an act and it's, it's BS. And I'm going to, I'm going to tear it down and show you what's really there or something like that. I don't see, I, like I said, I don't know exactly, but I, I, I don't know either. Kim appears very much the same way on the outside, I think, as Howard. Yeah, does. I, mean, I know. Absolutely. Very clean cut. She's so well-spoken and respectable mm-hmm. um, when she's around her professional uh, um, co-workers and things like that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, it seems like, I, I don't know, if if she doesn't admire about that about Howard, then it's interesting that she comes off very much the same way. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking the same thing, like maybe what because in this very episode she's standing up for something in court i forget what it was but cliff Maiden seems really impressed with her argument and um i thought i wonder if she thinks of herself in court as just playing this character too you know putting on yeah. a mask like her mom did in that room when i stole the necklace when i was a kid you know all right oh i love that song Climb aboard a butterfly and take off on a breeze. Let your worries flutter by and do the things you please in a land where dollar bills are falling off the trees. Every day for breakfast, there's a dish of scrambled stars. And for luncheon, you'll be munching rainbow candy bars. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've ever heard that before, but I liked it. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Anyway, okay. What's next, Claire? Um, I'm going to jump into Saul Goodman's office. Uh, what on earth has happened from this time period until the next? I mean, like, did it burn up? Did it right. was, I mean, something drastic happened in that office because you go in and it's kind of over the top, uh, professional and, uh, classy, uh, the opposite of Saul Goodman. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, Francesca painstakingly uh, picked out all these the water features, <laughs> and uh, so it's I I gotta like I'm like what what on earth happened because on in Breaking Bad it looks like a pretty sleazy vinyl office. It's wood there's paneling. nothing yes everywhere. yeah wood paneling old tile floor just plain ugly chairs and she's behind a glass speaking yeah. through her uh, um, yeah. PA system. Uh, so-and-so next. Yeah. So something bad happened to this office that we don't know about. And yet Francesca's still there. So, right. I mean, they obviously can't get rid of her because we know she's in the future, but I'm just very curious as to what happened uh, to Saul's office. And I'm hoping that'll be a part of the show that we'll see uh, how it transformed because I mean, obviously they're meticulous with everything and they, 
the way the office was decorated and pretty quickly too. Um, well, I guess we don't know how much exactly how much time has gone by since mm-hmm. uh, Saul bought the building, but uh, they they didn't drag their feet on remodeling that office and it looks nothing like it does in Breaking Bad. So I think last episode he said something about next week he won't recognize this place. So maybe it's just been like a week or two. And we didn't put up a wall. That was pretty, pretty darn fast. Um, I mean, I'm, I don't work in, I'm not a contractor or anything, but that was pretty quick work to put up a wall and to put up all that decor. And they said, like, she said, uh, to Kim, they're still working in the back and we're like, Oh yeah, we know what they're working on. And then you go back there and it's like, Oh no, there's, there's no, there's no like cathedral of justice that I'm seeing in there at all. (laughs) I'm waiting. Where is it? Come on. Again, this seems symbolic of what, what's to come. Like we know that uh, Saul Goodman is going through a drastic change uh, to become Saul Goodman from Jimmy McGill. And, you know, I'm sure Kim plays into that, that, that change. And so I just thought the office was a good uh, visual. Like of external how- manifestation. manifestation y- yes. Because yeah. the office, uh, and it's so fun to watch, right? Because it's not just the characters that are evolving and changing. Uh, it's like the office is also a character in it mm-hmm. itself that's evolving and changing. So <laughs> seeing it from what we saw in this episode, you know, this very, I thought it was, it was a little over the top. It may not be what I w- myself would have picked out, but I do, I, I see what she was going for. I thought it yeah. was nice um, yeah. uh, to go from that to what it was in, in Breaking Bad. Uh, definitely not classy is what Kim, Kim called, um, you know, Francesca's version uh, of what she had. Um, so it was interesting to see how like the office also goes through its own right. like evolution in the, mm-hmm. in the show as well. So it, it's, it's interesting. I wonder if in part, Jimmy doesn't like, um, snootiness or, you know, like pretension pretension or yeah if you think you're better than me or stuff like that so maybe he's just sort of reluctant it didn't seem like he cared but reluctantly putting up with this uh because he wants francesca there and she said last week well i I need to have a say in the decor but um yeah it seems like there'd have to be a fire or something but in one thing that's interesting like this office does not quite fit Saul's clientele so I wonder Mm-mm. if he might think uh, you know that they're gonna not really see what I'm all about if they come here they might feel like they're out of place and so replace it with that but it, I went back and watched Saul's first appearance episode Breaking Bad Better Call Saul where we first see his office and there's a scene similar to this episode where there's all these dirt bags uh, just crowding up the office and there's crying babies and it was even worse in this episode where some guy puts his cigarette out on the couch and everything. And, um, I think maybe over time Saul's just wanting to cultivate a certain image, you know, I think that's a possibility. I'm mm-hmm. also just curious though. Um, because we're, we're kind of also seeing an evolution in Francesca as well. Uh, yeah. she, she, you can tell how proud she was of this office. She was so excited. It's when, what when she it, wants it to be. Like she wants this to be her job, but it's not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is not the atmosphere that it really is. It's what she wishes it was. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
But, you know, she was so excited to show Kim that office and she was so proud of, of what she had done. Um, and that Kim liked it, too, because Kim called it classy. And it was interesting, you know, Kim calls it classy. And the next thing you see all the not so classy people mm-hmm. kind of sitting in it um, and definitely clashing. Kim had a certain reaction, though. She I didn't quite understand. Like maybe she, because she I think she like also it. doesn't think it fits Saul's persona. Right. You know, she's telling him like, "Oh, you should have this kind of car. You should dress this certain way. This is yeah. this is Saul." So maybe it's she Kim's doesn't idea. look at that. It might be, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious if Francesca will be the one to like trash everything. I think she's going to get. I think potentially anyway, I don't know. And it may not matter exactly what happens, but when that one client puts his uh, cigarette out in the arm of that chair, I think she's going to be sitting there watching it the whole time. Like people are just going to be totally disrespecting, you know, well, they're already, they're they're pissing in the, in the water feature or in, in in Saul's office. They're putting cigarettes. Yeah. There's, they're putting out (laughs) cigarettes on these nice chairs. I think she's finally gonna be like, you know what? Screw this. You know, screw all this effort I put into it. You know, I try to do this really nice thing and everybody's trashing it and disrespecting it. It probably gets trashed over time with all the people and, you know, um, yeah. just not caring about it. And I think she just says, screw it and throws it all out and gets like the cheapest shit she can put in there. I'm willing to bet something happens because, look, Saul does not represent the um, most respectable type of, of people. And I'm wondering if it gets violent, she gets attacked or something or something happens. And that's what puts mm-hmm. her behind this glass. Um, yeah. Cause that's not there. I mean, she just so. looked uncomfortable with the people. Yeah. Or ma- ma- maybe she needed so, right? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And maybe nothing happens and she just felt she needed it for her protection or something. <laughs> but I, I yeah. wonder if Francesca is going to get to a point where she's like, screw this. I'm screw the effort I put in to make this a nice place. We're getting all the cheap shit. <laughs> Yeah, it's all about the money because, yeah, she's really transitioning fast now into what she becomes. And you can tell a big part of the attraction for working for Jimmy and Kim was Kim and Kim's Mm -hmm. gone now. And here's Jimmy forcing her to do something she's not comfortable with on the phone. And she's like, uh, this isn't going to be a habit, right? Oh, absolutely not. No, no, no. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lie. And so she and then uh, that moment where he's like miming for her to smile and she's like well bless your heart just like she did when she first started working for jim and kimmy and he told her to be folksy and i'm like current francesca breaking bad francesca would never go for that she'd just like flip him off or something but i mean she's already been kind of annoyed with him the last couple of episodes but here when he makes her make that call and then he tells her to clean up the piss she just goes you clean it up and that sounded just like Francesca that, from Breaking Bad yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was our that was our Francesca from Breaking Bad I think that yeah. was her her pivotal moment where it's right. like okay there's our Francesca mm-hmm. and, and she'll get to a point where she's like all right this is fucked but I'm getting paid well so I'm just gonna grin and bear it for the money I think I guess I, I and she 100%. does that for a long time yeah like four and I also years. thought it was interesting uh the there was some little hints of jimmy in the office the yes. uh, drawer full of cell phones and mm-hmm. my favorite yeah, the, the sidebar the sidebar in the law library which was out by the oh coast. yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was good back in the yeah. back alley <laughs> that's a little back more jimmy i think Mm-hmm. Yeah, that back alley was a little familiar. We've we've seen it so many times in Breaking Bad because they would always kind of do something underhanded back there. You know, that's where the van was with Walt's 
money and where they would always kind of meet mm-hmm. back there and, you know, up to up to no good or secretly planning something they couldn't be seen in Saul's office or something. It was see that it looked familiar. And and RIP to the toilet. Did you guys see the toilet <laughs> sitting in the dumpster yeah. out there? Oh, so, I didn't see toilet did not survive. He did have his uh, Coca Bolo desk in there from Davidson, Maine, which I think he still ha- does. He still have that. In he had it in uh, the Saul's house in the That's season right. opener yes. in the cold open. Yeah. Yep. I just since we're talking about this, and I watched um, that episode of Breaking Bad. I'll mention a couple things. I um, other things I thought were interesting. I, I think. I had forgotten, but he tells Walt in that very first episode that his last name is actually McGill. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that came up right away. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he told Walt that the guy who got his head smushed by the ATM used to be a client of his, which now we've mm. seen <laughs> spooge. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, when Walt and Jesse drag Saul out into the desert and have a gun on him, he says in Spanish, I'm a friend of the cartel. I think we mentioned that last time, but we now heard how he got to consider himself a friend of the cartel. And he also says, Ignacio did it. And then did Lalo send you, which fits more and more now with like Ignacio or Nacho is the guy who's a traitor. So of course he would try to blame it on him. And he thinks it's the Salamanca's coming after him and, and Lalo. So that could all be, where he's at right now with them, you know, that suggests that maybe he won't have any more interaction with Lalo or the Salamancas up until or ever again. I, I don't think he'll ever know. Yeah. One way or another, like right now he thinks um, that he's dead. So yeah, I just say, I don't think there's any more yeah. story development between Jimmy and the Salamancas potentially, and it could still fit with so. what we saw in breaking bad. Um, yeah. I, I hope that's, that's not true though. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I've said from calling in and writing in that I really like when these two worlds converge and when we see Jimmy in the Salamanca world or um, Nacho in Jimmy's world, which we mm-hmm. definitely won't see that anymore. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I'm hoping it won't be the complete end because I think there's, I don't know, I think there's, I, I, I just always have wanted more of that. Yeah. I mean, who- we know that I don't think Saul ever meets Gus, right? But he knows <sighs> Gus in the he's the one who uh connects Walter to Gus. Yeah. Through Mike. He knows, but it's he through has Mike, to know. so he, he knows Mike. of him. He knows Gus, I think. Yeah. He he went into the Los Pollos Hermanos one time. But I don't think he knew who who that was. <laughs> I don't know, I can't remember. But um anyway, I don't there's definitely not a lot of story between the two of them together because he tells Walt, I you know, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy or something like that. But yeah, there could sure. be more with Mike. You know, and I I'm sure there will be between Mike and Jimmy before this is all out. Well, how many more episodes do we have? Seven more. There's got to mm. be. But there's not very many bad guys left other than Gus Lalo and if you consider Mike a bad guy. Mike's the good guy. Okay. Mike's a good guy, but you know, <laughs> criminals <laughs> for this show right? in this world, Mike's a good guy. Don't you think in this world? <laughs> uh, well, he gets to the point where he will kill somebody because he's paid to do it. So I don't know. Yeah. But, um, 
I love Mike, but I'm just trying to think like you want those two worlds to cross over, but there everybody's dying, you know, there's nobody left for Jimmy to interact with except for Mike, Gus and Lalo. Unless I'm missing somebody. Kim. Kim. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Kim and Lalo, I feel like have unfinished business to a certain extent. I mean, from a, it feels like there's more business that could happen between Kim and Lalo because they Mm -hmm. had that scene together that was very um, tense at Jimmy's Mm -hmm. house. And I don't know. I think there's, there's could be more there. I know. I think it feels like that too. I could see Lalo's story just finishing out with Gus though, but yeah, who knows? And then again, Lalo could be the end of Kim. You know, we just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I hope not. I You don't want it to go down that way? No. No, I don't. I hope Kim chops Lalo's head off. That would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone think that uh, uh, Kim could be in the Gene timeline, perhaps, if she is alive? Could be. I I I think I talked about this in one, one of our other episodes, that... It would be super cool if she had to use the services of our vacuum repair man, yeah. the disappearer. And they, you know, I'm, this is probably in someone's notes, I'm sure. I know it's in mine. Uh, when they we found the book, the book that we had in the in this season, uh, uh, this season six cold open at Saul's house, that book. A uh, little black book that had the codes in it, and we know the origin of that and where that came from. I'm interested oh. how Saul gets a hold of that. Um, and in that book, when they're flipping through through it, is the the card for the vacuum repair guy, and it's Kim who's holding it. You, they they cl- give a close up of it, so we can read it. And of course, see you know me fangirl over like, oh my god, mm. that's how we. I called the number. He's he's coming next Thursday. So it's been you better fun, be guys. there on time. <laughs> <With the laughs> you no, know, you do not get a second chance. <laughs> That's it. Um, but I thought it was interesting that Kim is the one holding it, and she's the one that like read the card aloud. It was kind of like, hmm, and then puts mm. the card back in there, and I'm like, oh, is that a little mm-hmm. bit of foreshadowing? Are we gonna? Is Kim gonna need those services? And we know Saul has used them, and and is there gonna be some? I don't know. And and Jean is in Nebraska. Kim grew up and oh, was from right. Nebraska. Oh my yeah. goodness. Seems like that. Now, I forgot that's where Jean was. Maybe, maybe she has to go back home. Yeah. I, I think there's a decent chance. I don't want to hope too much, but I, f- I feel like they may want to give this series at least somewhat of a happy ending. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think they love Jimmy if, if they could make, Saul turn back into it, Jimmy, and maybe have a hint that maybe things might be able to work out with Kim. They might do something like that. I don't know. What do you think, Claire? Well, that's that's where I would like to see it go. I don't want to see, especially Everybody after Nacho. Die. Like my yeah. my heart is broken about Nacho still, and so that makes Hell me. Yeah. Uh, I'm holding out a little more hope for Kim. Because I think those were the two big names that we were worried about and that we weren't sure about. And so now that we have lost that Nacho, I'm hoping that we we will, that Kim's still alive. And that's kind of what I've thought is that 
Kim is hiding because maybe something, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem like she'd, she'd be on yes. the run because of what's oh. going on with Howard, but could be. I don't know. If what if, okay, I hope we're not spoiling the whole plot here. That would be bad. But what if Kim <laughs> accidentally kills Howard and then, um, that's the first time Jimmy has to use the vacuum cleaner guy to help her get away with murder. That's what I'm saying. I feel like yeah. something um, either, which I don't know, because I, I, I firmly, well, maybe not firmly. I don't feel confident enough to say that. But the cold open that we got, and I know I mentioned it on another um, podcast. Now I can't, I'd have to go back. Uh, but it was the cold open with Saul and Francesca. This was after the events of Breaking Bad when Saul's in his office and he's getting ready to go disappear. And, you know, Francesca's shredding all the documents and he's mm-hmm. getting all of his money and all that stuff. And he tells Francesca to be at the um, at, at this particular uh, phone, um, public phone or whatever, at 3 p.m. Uh, I don't remember the exact date, but the date was Saul's birthday, Jimmy's birthday. Um, and it's like, well, why, why, why would she need to be there on his birthday and be sure to answer the phone? You know, you have to, you maybe have to be Kim there and will answer be the calling phone. Then. I'm, I feel yeah. like Kim's going to be on the, on the other line. So I feel like she survives. So I don't feel like she dies, but, mm-hmm. um, and I don't feel like she's in jail, um, because why would she be calling a pay phone? Um, you know, why would she need to do that to, to be able to talk to Jimmy? Um, so, so I think something happens and she's got to get the hell out of town. Yeah, I think it could be. And this show has, they've always talked about how Better Call Saul is like three parts drama and one part comedy. And I mean, Breaking Bad is three parts drama, one part comedy and Better Call Saul is the opposite. I don't know if that's exactly true. It's getting to be more like Breaking Bad, but still, I feel like that's why they might want to give it a lighter ending and let, let Jimmy have some happiness. That'd be cool. Or at least the possibility. We can't count on it. Maybe. No. <laughs> yeah, the possibility, well, yeah. That's why I feel like it's it's I don't want to hope too much because, you know, no. they they're they're not about usually giving us hopeful endings or bright and sunshiny, you know, ha- happy endings. The the showrunner, the Gilligan and Peter Gould. We haven't had a lot of experience with their endings, only one. Well, well uh, I mean, El Camino, maybe, uh, I think. That was I mean, a happy ending, yeah. It's so a hap- as happy of an ending mm-hmm. as you can get in this world. If we're going to get yeah. it, it's going to be on this show. So I don't know. I still am afraid to hope for it, though. I feel like it's too much to hope for. <laughs> yeah. I always have lots of hope, and then I'm completely let down. So Crushed. That's what, oh, I'm sorry. So I'm anticipating. I thought, I'm like, how's Nacho going to get out of this? I know he can. <laughs> yeah we won't let's mm-hmm. not get into a whole discussion on game of thrones now let's keep going with <laughs> <laughs> all right what's your next point rima it's your turn right yes yeah well uh i mean we've already talked about her some and, and her decision but uh i want to talk a little bit about slipping kimmy um clearly mm-hmm. starting from an early age um, I, I, I enjoyed the flashback. The actress, man, I, I could have swore that would have been Kim Wexler and a little bit of makeup and maybe a little bit of prosthetics mm. or something. Did they nail that or what? Um, the actress yes. that plays her mom in this flashback was absolutely fantastic. And I think that they did a really good job. I think she even had some of Kim's mannerisms um, a little bit. So I, she totally sold it. I thought she was absolutely fabulous. Um, I liked the young actress that played Kim in, in this um flashback episode that we got same two actresses from the flashback before with them right 
Uh, I would assume so, ago. but I don't know. I think, I so. think so, but I'm not yeah. 100% sure, so I don't want to say. They um, look the same. <laughs> right. It, probably, but I, honestly, I didn't look it I up. I think so they I, said I it was know. on the podcast, too. So the young actress, um, I think, did a great job of also with Kim's mannerisms, our adult Kim that we know, um, when yeah. she's waiting on her mom to show up. Did you see how her sneaker was like... Um, she had that nervous move. She was like clicking her heel on the on the ground while she was waiting for her mom to show up. Kim does that a lot. They they show Kim that's like her nervous tick. Uh, she she did that most recently in the episode where she was me- meeting Cliff Main um, for coffee when they were doing that Howard uh, or when Jimmy was dressing up as Howard and threw Wendy out of his car. Um, she does that often. So I I really like that they kind of pay attention to those details and pick up those mannerisms. Um, so I I just found this interesting the way that they were kind of trying to tie in this flashback episode with with Kim and how her mom is like you know well I didn't think you had it in you um, you know and and basically telling her it's okay kid you got away with it and I feel like this was a, a real pivotal moment for Kim uh, moving ahead you can tell she's really taken this in um, I don't think that was out Kim that she wanted I do think that she acted out in a way to kind of get her mother's attention and to kind of force her to parent her. Um, And this isn't what she had expected at all. And I think that Kim learning that she didn't have to face consequences for, for what she had done. And her mom was like totally okay with it and praising her for it in a way. Like she looked proud of her, (laughs) you know, for like, Oh, I didn't think you had it in you. Good job. You know? Um, So it's, it's just really sad to see that, that, what she has been talking about and her goal is wanting to really help people who really need it and work on justice reform. I mean, this is like a dream job for her, this um, opportunity that Clifford Maine has presented to her. Um, and whenever, you know, she's deciding when Jimmy calls her up and he's like, you know, we got to we got to call it quits, you know, because of the whole um, the judge has, has broken his arm and they weren't prepared for that. They didn't know they got to abort the plan. And you can see her thinking about it and she's doing that like thing that she does where she's tapping the steering wheel. We've seen that often. And she does that U-turn and it's like, I'm like, what, what are you? I was, I was shocked, honestly. I mean, I shouldn't have been, but I was like totally shocked that she decided to say, no, it's happening today. Cause I'm like, you're, you're, you're committing career suicide, you know, in this moment you know, and like she's literally got this laid at her feet and, you know, she's she's making this choice. Um, and it reminded me a lot of uh, the offer that um, Elliot and um, shoot, what's her name in Breaking Gretchen? Bad? Yes, thank you. Elliot and Gretchen offered to Walt mm-hmm. um, to give him that job. And he was just absolutely offended, you know, and, yeah. and you know, he, he that would have solved all of his problems. He was going to have insurance. He was going to have a well-paying job. He wasn't going to have to worry about money for his children or being able to afford afford his cancer treatment. Um, But he absolutely refused because his pride wouldn't let him, Um, you know, and and Kim, the fact that she's willing to sacrifice, you know, this golden opportunity in order to pull off the stunt, um, whatever it is, um, against Howard, um, you know, it's like she literally... um, turned around and went on bad choice road here, you know, <laughs> just in that you turn and there she went, um, you know, and it's interesting because, um, and I think this is something that you can debate in the Breaking Bad universe, you know, 
we we talk about how it was about this chemistry teacher, you know, breaking bad and and becoming this like drug lord. But was he really breaking bad or did he just find his true self? You know, the um, you know, I I did it because I liked it, because I was good at it. And I wonder if this is kind of what we're seeing here with with Kim, you know, is like she wants to do good, but she's willing to do the not so good things to get there. And I'm wondering, like, maybe it's not Kim Breaking Bad. Maybe this is her true self, you know, that's just finally being revealed uh, slowly, peeled through the layers. And I don't think it's, um, you know, you could, a lot of, I think a lot of people could say that Jimmy has influenced her, but I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think Kim values Jimmy, um, but I think her decisions are hers. Um, and I, she's just found a partner in Jimmy, right? That, that she can mesh with in in these things, right? That's, that's I don't know. That's, that's a deep question. I think you know, like the writers on the Better Call Saul Insider podcast said, these characters are the sums of the experiences that they've been through, and so I think when you're, from what I've seen, when you're born, you actually have an essence. You know, you can see that if you have more than one kid, they're so different when they're born. And yet that essence carries through for their whole lives, but still you can end up in different um, situations in life, depending on things that have happened to you and things that, that you get exposed to. So I think that whole nature nurture argument about your personality, how much of it is because of you were born that way and how much of it is because of environmental factors. The older I get, the more I think nature has a lot more to do with it, that you're just kind of set (laughs) in your personality. But I still think that environmental factors play a big part in where you end up. And so, yes, I do think that with Walt, he always had that pride, you know, Mm -hmm. no matter what. But if he hadn't been so desperate for money and and gotten cancer, I doubt he would have been a a drug lord. You know, he still would have probably shot himself in the foot because of his pride in whatever situation he ended up in his life, though. So, yeah, uh, to some extent, I mean, also, they say the more money you have, it just amplifies your characteristics. So um, he had a lot of money and became a total asshole. (laughs) <laughs> that's why people have tigers in their backyard. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I there's Kim is really without excuse though, because I mean, you could at least say, like you said, Walt got into it in the beginning to try and take care of his family and take care of his health. And of course it completely veered off road. And I mean, you could say a lot about that, but Kim really is without excuse for what she's doing. I mean, everybody Mm -hmm. has impulses and urges to get back at someone that's, you know, wrong them or that they think is uh, uh, pompous or or that they don't like, but you know, most people don't do that. Most people don't go through a a scam the way that she's doing that. She's really intentionally sabotaging her, everything, her life, her career, um, her safety, And without a really good reason, she's doing it for the thrill. She's Mm -hmm. doing it just to, to, to feel better or to, to, I don't know, get the best of Howard, but it's, there's no real good motivation for it. I know. And I feel like, I, I feel like maybe that's a bit of a flaw in the show, actually, that they're not making me feel like it's believable that Kim would do this. 
and um maybe they i mean they're chipping away at it and i'm coming up with theories you know like with her all the things i said about her mother that her mother showed her that when you project uh, morality it's bullshit and so she's offended at the idea of Howard or something like that. But I'm not really feeling like, Oh yeah, it totally makes sense why Kim would do this. And also, you know, there was how Howard mistreated her when she was in the office and forced her to stay in the basement doing crap work, even though she totally proved herself, but still like, is that enough that you would, I mean, he also, as she said, this episode, which is really interesting, you know, she told Cliff, yeah, he, he put me through law school. He, I met my husband because of him. I owe him everything. And I think she believes all of that. Maybe not the, I owe him stuff, but that, you know, he did a lot for her, but yet there's this whole other side that she didn't tell Cliff. I also hate him. (laughs) I'm just not feeling as much as I wish I would, that it would make sense to me why she would do this. And maybe there's Mm -hmm. more yet to reveal, or I don't know. Well, the punishment doesn't seem to fit the crime. Like, you know, trying to figure out what it is that, that she has against Howard. And we've talked about, well, you know, he's done this and this and this, and that's true, but that doesn't mean he deserves whatever it is that they're planning for. I mean, to like literally destroy his career. I mean, he's, he's having some (laughs) trouble at home. He's an innocent lawyer. He hasn't done anything worthy of, of the treatment, even, you know, I don't know. Um, this, this whole thing is really, I think brought out the worst in Kim. And I think when you've got someone like Jimmy, who's very, you could definitely see some Saul in this episode. Um, when he's concerned, about yeah. your moral character, that tells you everything I feel like you right. need to know about how far Kim has has went. And he's he's tried to give her an out. You know, when he calls her and he's like, it's okay. Fight, live to fight another day. We'll we'll regroup. We'll plan it again. Or, you know, uh, come back and circle around and, and, and carry it out. It just had to be a different way. And he's he almost looks so hopeful that she's going to be like, okay, yep, great. I'll see you after my lunch or I'll call you after my lunch and let you know how it went. He was so hoping that she was going to just keep going. Yeah. And um, and he gave her now and she didn't take it. I mean, he couldn't conceive that she wouldn't, I don't think, you know, he right. didn't even think there was a chance. But I like, yeah, she's so, so, so set on ruining Howard. And it started when he came to the courthouse last season and was telling her that she could do better than Jimmy. And mm. she got really pissed at that. And and he told her some things that Jimmy did. I think the bowling ball thing and all that, you know. And she just laughed at him. And I think in that sense, she sees him as just sort of really offensively like negative about her whole life choices and everything about her character. You know, so... Um, I think part of it stems from that. It's like you, you, it's almost like she's got a similar thing to Jimmy. Like you think you're better than me. Well, you're not. Fuck you. You, you don't tell me that I'm not doing things the right way with my life, you know, something like that. But even with all that, it still feels a bit extreme that she would give up this life dream just to be able to go stick it to him. And I don't think, I don't think it's a flaw in the show or the writing. I think it's a flaw in Kim that she, because we've seen her be obsessive like this before, when she, right before she got in her car accident, she was completely obsessed with the case. I can't remember the details of it, but like yeah. she was working around the clock. She she was obsessed. And I think that's the point she's at now. She's just, she can't even see straight. She's not 
So I think that is believable. I think people, a, a lot of times who maybe live a mundane life, you're, you're a lawyer, you're, you know, white collar job and you, you like the thrill. So I, that makes sense to me that she likes the thrill of it all. Well, that is another thing about her character that you have a good point that she decides she wants to do something and she's tenacious about it. Yeah. Absolutely. To the point of being obsessive. Yeah. That's true. I think once she gets her teeth in something, she's yeah. not just ready to fold and let it go without fighting like hell to see it through. Mm-hmm. She's never given up on anything. She's never half-assed anything. She's never. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Kim she's, is all, she's all measures. <laughs> no, no half, half measures with Kim. Kim. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, that's why maybe that's one reason Mike seems to admire her. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, where are we? Uh, that was my, my point. So now it's to you. Okay. Let's see. Yeah. I want to talk about Dr. Caldera, the vet who Jimmy goes to, to hook him up with this, whatever drug he's going to apparently dose Howard with. I guess he wanted to test it on himself first. And just make sure it was what he wanted. I think right? that's a good idea. Yeah, it sounds like. Yeah. yeah, and I assume it's for Howard. I think we can we assume. Yeah, assume. I mean, given that they've called him a cokehead, and that was the whole basis of the plan. It well, and they said like that's what it's about, which is really fucked up to dose a guy with something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's with, bad without someone's consent. Just yeah, that's a whole other yeah set of <laughs> set of issues. Because again, you don't you can say, oh yeah, this is how it'll probably react, but you don't know. Everybody reacts different, you know, medical conditions, all Could those things. Could be allergic, yeah. Yeah. But I don't want to talk about that part. I just want to talk about the vet who has a bunch of really cute pics of pets on the wall that apparently came from the writers and the crew of Better Call Saul, Aww. their pets. That's cool. And um, I love that he is so clearly in love with animals. It's always been that way with him. He's like gets mad when these criminals he's dealing with aren't treating their pets right and stuff. And uh, yet he facilitates crimes that surely get good people hurt. So I think maybe he's like a lot of people who don't care much about people, but love animals. It's the, yeah. (laughs) You know? Yep. Um, And then he's saying uh, the crime stuff is getting to be too much and he wants to leave and focus on the animals. And we never saw him in breaking bad. And, um, I was thinking about, okay, wait, was there another vet or how, who did this job in Breaking Bad? And then I realized Saul did. Saul and, and <laughs> yeah. Mike. Saul is the one who knew. Like, for example, when um, the whole premise of that episode of the Better Call Saul episode of Breaking Bad was Badger was in jail. Walt was afraid Badger was going to rat him out. Saul suggested killing him. <laughs> um, but they, uh, and then Walter looks over at Jesse, like, how about that? And Jesse's like, no. And so they decide instead to f- hire this guy, um, Jimmy In and Out, who you can pay to 
take the rap and go to jail for you. And I'm sure that Saul knows that guy because he has his little black book that has every guy you could want in there. So he's basically taking over. And, Might have and even make, represented him at one time, maybe. Right. Yeah, sure. Several times. And uh, I mean, he said he was going to do it here, too, and, and make sure he didn't get as bad of a rap as they were trying to throw at him. But um, he's like he got so offended or he was like when um, the vet guy said he was going to sell the black book and hang up his shingle or whatever. He's like, what a waste. Did you see how many people he had in that book? I mean, he's raking it in day in, day out. It's passive income, minimal risk. I can't believe he's walking away from that. So that's the thing. Saul's going to take over that job. I, it's funny. I vacillate between calling him Jimmy and Saul, but when he's doing shit like this, it's Saul <laughs> comes to the tongue more, <laughs> well, more easily. I did too, especially in this episode, I was thinking of him more of Saul because again, I think mm-hmm. we saw a lot more, especially with his interactions with Francesca, Francesca. and, and mm-hmm. how he was being, I feel like really shitty to her. And I'm like, God, that's this freaking Saul from Breaking Bad. I was just always kind of shitty to Francesca, but he had Jimmy yep. moments too. So it's definitely, we're getting there. Mm-hmm. And then of course, yeah, like you mentioned, they see the best quality vacuum card and for people who don't remember or who didn't see Breaking Bad, the vacuum cleaner guy, Ed, is the guy you can pay several hundred thousand dollars and he'll give you a new life and a new identity. And that's how Jimmy became this guy, Gene Takovic, that we see in the first episode of every season, except for this season in black and white, the manager of the Cinnabon. So now this episode, we kind of get a hint to how Saul knows about this guy, but Mike doesn't because apparently in Breaking Bad, Mike didn't know about him but Saul did is because Saul I mean I presume Saul ends up buying this black book from this guy. It was at his house, so I assume Yeah. It he ha- yeah. does come into his possession. And I wonder if Dr. Caldera intends to use the best quality vacuum guy to get out of town or maybe he doesn't need to do that, you know. I don't know if he would people would come after him or something. I guess that doesn't really matter. But um I'm glad I was glad to see that because it's such a big part, the best quality vacuum thing, because it's such a big part of breaking bad and especially Saul's character and Jesse, it ends up being too. Um, I, I was wondering if they might not cover it since the guy who played vacuum cleaner guy, Robert Forster died right after they made the El Camino yeah, movie. And I'm sure they won't, they won't cast someone new, but I also think that Saul never met him anyway. So, um, they'll handle it just with the vet guy telling him what it is, or maybe they'll have someone do a voice or something like that. I don't know, but I love that, that they, they're going into all this stuff, this connective tissue between the two shows. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I loved, uh, Dr. uh, Caldera too. He was uh, one of my points Mm -hmm. because he's a good representation of, a person in this world um, that wants to get out of uh, like, we saw that with Nacho too, really Mm -hmm. desperately wanting to just get out of this world. And it's interesting to me how there's more people or there's people in the show that want to uh, dive deeper in uh, Jimmy and uh, Kim. And And there's people, well, absolutely. Um, And then there's people wanting to get out like, like Jesse and, um, Nacho and uh, Dr. Caldera. So I liked that they uh, gave him a little bit of a spotlight, uh, his character more, you know, I, I think he's been an interesting character, but they, they, 
they showed us a little more about him um, and his mm -hmm. motivations and that he just wants to help animals. He doesn't want to have anything to do with this sleazy world, this dangerous world. And he said that when they, the, I think the, the brothers, the scary, scary, scary brothers brought Nacho. <laughs> That's their name in my book. Scary, scary. <laughs> yeah. The cousins um, brought Nacho uh, to him and he's like, I don't want to have anything to do with this. This is too much for me. And maybe that was the final straw even that made him want to get out of it. But I, I really liked his character and I liked that they spotlighted kind of what he, his thoughts on it. And he says, a guy's got to know when he's bagged his limit. And mm -hmm. so he wants less and Jim and Kimmy want more or Jimmy and Kim want more of, of it. And so I thought that was interesting. And then you see Saul wanting to get out. I mean, more out of desperation, but eventually at the end of Breaking Bad, he has to get out, I guess. Yeah, I think it's more of a have to. I, I don't think to. I think he would have probably stayed in that position You're for right, as long yeah. as it was serving him. He's, uh, he, you know, he's, he rolls with the punches. He mm -hmm. didn't seem particularly, uh, well, he did seem scared at some, at some points, but. But he was also having a good time. Like even with Walt and Jesse, his first interaction with them, they're like, wearing ski masks and threatening to kill him. And then he just talks them into hiring him as their lawyer. The <laughs> great scene. Give, yeah, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give me a dollar. Give me a dollar, each of you right now. <laughs> and Walt starts coughing and he's like, oh, yeah. are you, you're Mr. Mr. What's Warner his name? Badger's dad, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, I, we saw that Jimmy feed the fish, which I, I don't remember ever seeing them feeding the fish. And so I took note because I love pets too. And so I saw him feeding the fish and um, he got that fish from Dr. Caldera when he went to visit <laughs> him the very first time. So I don't know. I was wondering, and then it made me think, uh, is the fish symbolizing anything or what's the, I think the fish definitely is always uh, a highlight in the room. Yeah, for sure. So, oh yeah. Anyway. It's cool. I think they have shown him feed it. I think he's. I think we have. I think okay. the episode after um, after Chuck had died and Howard came over to Kim and Jimmy's apartment and he's like feeling so terrible and feeling guilty, thinking what happened with Howard was all his fault, and Jimmy just coldly like gets yeah, up that, and feeds well, Howard, his fish. that's your cross to yep. bear. Yep, and then feeds his fish. <laughs> like, that's what I think about I, that. Okay, I, you're right. You're right. But I, I love I love when they show the fish. I was thinking about that yeah. fish, like, where did he get that? So I'm glad you reminded me that he got it from the vet. Oh, yeah, from Dr. Caldera. I hope the, I hope the fish makes it out alive. Oh, yeah. I hope so, too. Well, he was going to flush it, too. I, I, I think I, I was reading somewhere that he was going to flush the fish, and he decided to keep it instead. Because he just went there. He got the fish just because he was going to see the vet. And then he brought it home and decided to keep it. Like it was just pre pretense to be there. He needed a, yes. a reason to be there. And well, I'm glad, glad he's hung on to it at least for this long anyway. And yeah, mm -hmm. it's kind of sweet. And like I said, I hope, I hope it survives. <laughs> All right. That was awesome. Is it my turn? Sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, I guess we, we, we covered my next point. I think when we talked about Howard, um, you had anything else that we okay. didn't already mention? Um, I, yeah, there was a little thing about Howard. Um, I thought the montage, the, just the 
I don't know, fanciness and uh, uh, pretension of Howard's whole uh, living space and closet. It really reminded me of Gustavo. And of course, mm. uh, Giancarlo Esposito directed this episode. Mm-hmm. Yay. I liked the behind the curtain. There's been a lot of behind the curtain moments that we've gotten this season. Mm-hmm. And Howard was one more. We got one uh, for Jimmy, obviously, in the cold open at the beginning. And then one for uh, Gustavo uh, a couple weeks ago when we see his underground world, literal, literal underground world. Um, and then we see this for Howard and I liked seeing that inside his house, his wife, mm-hmm. um, his closet, his, and he even, uh, a little bit of his, uh, just a different side when he's talking to his wife, trying to impress her, make her the coffee, mm-hmm. uh, telling her, Oh, don't, you know, that thing with Jimmy, you don't have to worry about it. Cause she was obviously so worried about him. <laughs> um, and he said, I'm handling it. So, um, I, I liked all that. And of course it just makes me more and more scared for Howard. I was not, he was not even on my radar until last week when we saw him at the boxing ring in the, at night. And I, I think I called in and talked about how we, I don't know if we've even seen Howard at nighttime, but just seeing <laughs> him in that CD world really makes me fear for him, fear for his life. Um, mm-hmm. so that was it. And one more thing, the, 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 he painstakingly made that latte for his wife. And then a, f- a few shots later, we see uh, Clifford getting coffee from the machine. And I oh. thought that was <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a funny stark contrast between the coffee drinks because I love coffee. Uh, Me too. And I would hate yes. to drink coffee out of a machine like that. Oh, I want gosh. Howard's coffee. I yeah, I've had coffee out of one of those machines. It's definitely not as good. Um, Howard's coffee that he made his wife look just absolutely dis- mm. delicious. I've become quite obsessed with coffee lately, so I was like, I would drink that in a heartbeat, and I would not be so disrespectful to throw it in a to-go mug. <laughs> but either um, the uh, what you're saying about like opening up, seeing into people's lives. I mean, I feel like these shows both do such a great job of just looking at things more deeply or in different ways in a lot of different ways. Like, for example, they in Breaking Bad, they would shoot a lot of scenes in the same spaces, but they would find different camera angles, you know, just something as similar as that, uh, simple yeah. as that. And you would look at it in a, in a different way. And they always want it to feel fresh, too. That's one part of that. But also, I just love how, yeah, you can feel like you have a character pegged. Like Mike, for example. We didn't get a whole lot of Mike's backstory in Breaking Bad a little bit. But then with Better Call Saul, he's just so much more fleshed out. And I love that, like, these characters, uh, Howard, you might think once Chuck was gone that Howard would just kind of fade into the background of the show. But no, they found a way to make him interesting in ways that you never thought possible. So they're just so creative about that and and so good about showing people as fully fleshed out complicated full people so yeah and they do it in such a an organic kind of way Mm -hmm. like it didn't feel it all fits together like a puzzle yeah like oh here we're gonna thrust (laughs) howard up here into the plot they found a way to weave him in and make him more of a Mm -hmm. you know a, a more pivotal character um because of what's happening right now than just like a side character where he was, I think in the first couple of, of seasons. Um, and, and, and yeah, they, the whole um, scenes, a lot of the scenes here with Howard and, and kind of seeing his home life. I mean, that I, I thought there's, that's his own bedroom. They're sleeping in separate bedrooms. You could, it was so obvious just from, you know, what, what you could see in that bedroom that he he's there alone, which again speaks volumes about what's going on in their marriage. That he's must be on the mm-hmm. other side of the house in his own room. And 
Well, she you know? said it too. She said yeah. something about how'd you sleep with that mattress or whatever. Oh yeah, you know yeah. I don't think I even picked up on that. I was so I think I kept couldn't not think about that coffee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we should get moving. Where, yep. where are we now? Are you okay, Rima? I'm good. Okay. Um. Well. Lala was back in in this episode, and I th- I loved the way that they shot this uh the scenes there with Lalo in the woods. Did did it remind you guys of like a horror movie or like a creepy mm-hmm. kind of horror movie? I I yes. thought it was great. You know the it was very it, good. It was like what's John going Carlos on here? Esposito killed it. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I thought it was it was interesting. You know, because we don't get a whole lot. We're just getting like this wood chopping, and so it's like oh. Okay, well, what's happening here? This is kind of a mm-hmm. you know a little bit of a different scene. Where are and we? Who is that? What is going on? <laughs> I know all these questions, um, yeah. and also the light. Like, did Claire? I don't know if you watch Ozark or not, but it, it was like an Ozark filter. They're, they they turned on the Ozark uh-huh. filter for this scene because it mm. looked blue. Maybe because <laughs> like Mexico has a yellow filter, I, yeah. Germany has a blue yeah. filter. Uh, yeah, I know. I thought I was like, okay, so when when we're in the states and it's New Mexico, it's it's like normal. Mexico is yeah. kind of yellow. Germany gets blue. Um, or wherever we were, I thought there was. And of course, there might have been Jimmy some... or Eugene. Gene is black and white. Yes, black and white. I yeah, love Omaha. how they play with colors. <laughs> and I'd have to double check. There, I think there was some debate maybe about where this was actually supposed to be, but we're going to call it Germany just for the sake of this conversation, anyway. Yeah, the wiki said Germany. I guess the guys from Hungary. So maybe it was Hungary. Who knows? Okay, um, but anyway, somewhere Europe. Yes. So. I, I love that imagery and that scenery. And, you know, I had predicted, and I'm totally wrong. I own up to that. I had predicted that Lala was going to seek out Kai and that Kai would be the one that would, because uh, he was a bit of the troublemaker. He was the mouthy yes. one and he was the one always, you know, um, kind of picking and picking and picking and picking. Um, but it wasn't. It was Casper. And I thought that was interesting. Um and I went back, and in the scene um, after Mike had killed Werner, and he's sending all the guys back, it was Casper that stood up to Mike. Yeah, one guy says, you know, you probably had to do that. You did the right thing, and then Mike punches him out. That was Kai. Yeah. That was Kai. Okay. That was Kai. Casper's <laughs> the one that stood up to Mike, and he goes, he was worth 50 of you. Or is that is that right? Yeah, some, that's some, right. something to that effect yeah. and mike just he couldn't say anything he was still reeling from that guilt of having to kill Werner. we know how that affected mike um he probably thought yeah you're right <laughs> i he kind of felt like you know i can't disagree with you i think he admired Werner. we know that that affected him and, and he didn't want to have to do that but it was casper was the one that stood up to to mike and so it you know kind of fell in character that he would also stand up to Lalo um, as well. I thought Lalo was going to almost, I thought he was going to die. I mean, he, if, he, if he'd gotten the business end of that ax. Yeah. Um, he got the blunt end if he got yeah. the business end. And I, yeah. and the, no these shows measures. are so unpredictable because you think, Oh, they're heading for a showdown with Lalo and Gus, but these shows don't like to be predictable. The writers don't want it. So I thought, Oh crap, they threw a left turn at us and Lalo's about to die. But we yeah. should have known better. <laughs> should have known better. Um, but I was scared for him. And I was like, oh, shit, this dude's going to take out Lalo. Like, we're never going to get like where this has been, been building up. That was a great way to do it, to have him jump out and get him like that. Mm-hmm. And then, you oh, I was like, holy shit. 
And yeah. I thought he got him with the sharp end of the axe. I did too. I was I was really worried. Um, but Lalo being Lalo, I mean, we saw him in like the whole Sicario um, episode where they start storming his house and he, he gets away and shoots everyone. And um, so right. he, he ended up, yeah, in the tunnel. And mm-hmm. I was like, dang, Lalo just took out a whole fleet of like mercenaries. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like This dude's uh, got nine lives. Um and I, I loved how they filmed the um the like the business card with the razor blade. That was so clever. Um when yeah. he, the way that mm-hmm. they shot that. So he ends up getting the jump on Casper. And, you know, I, I think I don't think he's gonna have to do much more, honestly, to to get Casper to talk. I don't know that we'll see any more of that. I think Lalo's gonna we're just gonna see him pop up in the next yeah, episode in, in his yeah. next progression or whatever mm-hmm. but maybe I, if it was an earlier season they had more time yeah i don't think we're i don't think we <laughs> need to see anymore chopped his le- foot right off oh my god i that think was that a might shocker. be the goriest Wait, did, thing we've seen did he he yeah. did his foot off his foot was yep. like i missed that in two watch it was in a very inappropriate <laughs> angle and it was fleshy. There was blood and it was oh fleshy. It was just laying there. And yeah. he's like, here, wrap that up before you bleed to death. I did hear that. And, wow. and at first he's like, he goes, uh, carajo, which I think means asshole. You broke my ribs. And I'm like, dude, you had a gun on him. And also, man, you just chopped off his leg. But it's Lalo. So he's a total psycho. And I think he's going to get the information yeah. he needs from this guy and then kill him. Yeah, Yeah, I do worry for Casper. I think he's going to... Probably not survive that, but he needs him to survive. I mean, Lala wouldn't want anyone. He wouldn't want him to go tell anyone what he, like, hey, you know. Yeah, he's gone. This guy's, yeah, I think Casper is probably not for this world. Um, So, but he needs him to survive long enough to at least get the information out of him. And I think he's probably going to get it. um, Yeah. And and find out what he needs to know about or what Gus has been up to. Um, And I love that when he, so he's laying there. Like, oh, and the guy's all, who are you? And he's like, I'm, I'm Lalo Salamanca. I'm not here for you. I'm here for, to find out what Fring's doing. And, uh, how did you find me? I found you for Marguerite Ziegler. You know, oh, what did you do to her? Nothing. So everything he says is the truth. There. Yeah. I was shocked. Was I was like, Eduardo, Lalo was... said Eduardo Salamanca, which That's I guess real... I, I yeah, didn't know that yeah. was his name. So Lalo's and like his nickname. Yeah. That was cool. That he just. Laid it all out on mm-hmm. the line, but then he, you see that razor blade, and it's like, oh. <laughs> he had to disable him somehow. He's standing over him with an axe, and he's had the wind knocked out. I mean, like, literally knocked out of him. That, that, he was not faking that, but he recovered. You're right. Lalo's mm-hmm. totally in the right. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say he was in the right. Oh, okay. But anyway, just um, interesting to see how Lalo's progressing and how much closer he's getting. I have no clue how much of the information that he that he gets and where he'll be but it's it's definitely we've got a lot coming up because we've got the whole thing with jimmy and kim and what they've got going on with howard this whole d-day and then we've got lalo getting closer and closer mm-hmm. to a, i'm guessing a, a confrontation with with gus. gus but i'm like how's he gonna get there they literally have everyone covered how and then how's, we've got saul fully transforming with the office and everything. And then whatever they're going to do with Gene Takovic and all of that needs to happen in seven episodes. I think for anyone who says these episodes were slower paced, I feel like that might change pretty quick in the second half. (laughs) I feel like it has to, it has to, but yeah, I think he's going to find out Gus was building a, a lab underground to 
I don't know if he'll know if it's to cook meth, but maybe Lala will figure that out and then go and he'll know where it is. So I think he's got everything he needs to know now. I think he'll, I think he's going to be buried under it. Well, and someone brought up last week, the fact that uh, Kim is being followed by two different people um, could play into some confusion uh, where, and maybe that's the the weak link, how Lalo, I, I don't know, because Mike's got people on Kim and also Howard's got people on Kim or a, a guy on Kim. So I don't know. They seem pretty ironclad on uh, Fring's end, but. This guy's mostly following um, Jimmy, though at least from what we saw from that little meeting between Howard and the PI. It was all oh, about what Jimmy was doing. That's what I meant. Okay. So he's got a guy on, on Jimmy and not Kim, Jimmy. Uh, okay. Howard's got a guy on Jimmy and Mike's Gus. got a guys on Jimmy. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That's sorry. That's what I meant. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like, did this PI see uh Jimmy film, well, we didn't talk about it yet. Is it my turn? Yes. Okay. We'll talk about that. Let's talk about the um, the scam. Because um, we know, we talked enough about the whatever the drug thing is. There's this big mediation call coming up with Sandpiper, which I think that's where whatever they're doing with this drug and Howard is going to supposed to come to a head. Maybe try just try to make him do something that will make everyone think that he's coked up and ruin it or something. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't understand how this, like they hired an actor to look up, uh, make him look like the judge that's in charge of the mediation. And they have pictures of him. We saw at the end, giving a package to Jimmy. And they also shot some video because the video, the, disinterested teenager guy that they always show glad to see them back by the way was <laughs> talking about a blur we can have it be a blur so you can't tell Tim and Jim Jimmy's like that's the whole point is so he's recognizable and um then uh I, I was wondering if Howard has this PI following Jimmy and knowing every little detail of everything he does including he also pulled somewhere around twenty thousand dollars out of the bank we don't know what that's for it seems like you wouldn't need that much money to hire the actor film the thing and even buy the drugs it wouldn't cost that much so who knows but um maybe you need a little extra for the zafiro and Aho. but um <laughs> uh anyway the point i'm trying to get to is did the pi see jimmy filming this judge guy you'd think so right and then if that gets back to howard how will that impact things i think howard may find out something about what they're up to. That's the whole point of why he's got a PI after them. And he seems Mm -hmm. to be seeing every detail of everything Jimmy does all day long. So I don't know. It seemed like a lot of what uh, Jimmy was doing with the crew, the camera crew and the actor was in his office. Uh, I I don't. Yeah, maybe when he's re looking looking through the pictures again, I don't remember if, if any of them were outside or, but I guess I was under the impression that it was pretty, uh, behind closed doors what's going on okay yeah but i don't know for sure yeah well if jimmy's getting photographed with the actor that they uh hired to play the judge they see jimmy taking a large cash withdrawal um and then being seen with the judge but go ahead like you're saying 
Jimmy's bribing the judge or the judge is bribing Jimmy? No, I don't oh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's that's what I'm wondering if they want Howard to, to well, that wouldn't look good, though, because that could then blow back on Jimmy. But I, I don't know. I don't know that I've got it all figured out. But I wonder if, you know, they Jimmy's been spotted taking a large cash withdrawal out of the bank. And then if he's getting pictured with the judge, how would it screw up the Sandpiper settlement in that case if the person who founded the whole Sandpiper started the whole case and, and got it going is then seen with the judge that's going to be mediating um, the case? Um, uh-huh. Like that, he's paying him off or right. something? If that came to light, they'd want to hurry up and get it settled really quick before before that was Again, I, I don't. Yeah, it seems like there's still, something there, but we don't I'm, know. Yeah, we're not I don't supposed know. to know either. We're not. But we're yeah. not. But I'm. I'm trying, like, would I you want to be the, in the picture of the one bribing? The, the yeah, judge I know. That's that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm like, well, that maybe wouldn't make sense either. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And maybe I should just okay. let we it go and let it play it out. out. Yeah. But um, I can't help but just I want to know what the hell is mm-hmm. going on. And I think that's again speaks to the brilliance of you know, like it's so captivating. I'm so curious, and I want to know what's what's happening. Yeah, wish this was a Netflix show so we could watch. <laughs> with the podcast yeah i'm not smart <laughs> enough to connect these dots um so i'm i'm i get which I is totally that. fine with me because i mean i can theorize a little here and there but for the most part i'm like i don't know what's going on i'm so excited to see no i, I love yeah, that these writers sure. are so much smarter i think we'll find out next week. you know that i can't figure it out so i'm i love that yeah. i don't like it when i, can I think feel like out. you're on the right track though it's like they're trying to make it seem like the judge is doing something untoward or something yeah. But who knows? Hmm. I mean, they're going to mess with the judge's career too. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's a retired we'll we'll judge. See. I mean, it could That's definitely true. ruin his reputation, maybe. But he's retired. Uh, so, and maybe the point is that it doesn't get out. Well, I think that's either. the thing is yeah. is they want somehow um, Cliff Maine to like we gotta we gotta hurry up and get this settled before this blows to shit. You know, um, <laughs> and that that was what, what they're what Jim and Kimmy are wanting to happen. So mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something in there i know i don't have it figured out and i'm kind of okay with that but i just i'm ready to kind of see what yeah. day the about. only thing is they definitely want howard to fall flat on his face somehow mm-hmm. yes for people to see yes it has to be some clear. sort of public thing like with chuck they yeah. want it to be very public and and you know not just a private taking him down they want it to be very public so it's a shame all right any more points claire yeah. Um, uh, again, Giancarlo Esposito directed this and I thought he did an incredible job. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and in fact, that made me feel like the worlds were converging a little bit because he's so part of this Salamanca uh, part of the show. And to see him mm-hmm. direct uh, all these characters made me feel in a strange way, like that he was closer to this story. Uh, I back to that Germany scene, right before we show the ax chopping into the wood, we see Jim and Kimmy in a passionate kiss. Thank you for noticing that. That was in my notes. Yes. It's a little scary for, doesn't it feel like a little foreshadowing maybe? Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. So we see them kissing and then next scene chop the, the, uh, the guy uh, who, Casper. Uh, what's his name? Casper chopping wood. Mm. Very um, good so too. I, he he's very I guess the actor practiced that a lot and yeah, I that noticed was for real. I, I was I didn't know for sure what I was seeing, but I was like, wow, that guy's got some great form <laughs> chopping yeah. his wood. He's good. <laughs> so I liked I liked there was a lot of good long shots. Um 
a lot of good angles because I'm kind of a nerd uh, that way too. And I really oh, especially liked how he directed uh, Jonathan Banks, Mike Ehrmantraut, and his family. I could see kind of the res- the, the respect that uh, Giancarlo Esposito has for Jonathan Banks and his character. So I it it, it was a, sh- a short note, but it was a, a big one. To- Okay, should I say my last point then? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, um, I just thought the theme, my, this was my number one point, was the theme of just cautiousness in this episode. And we saw, I, I feel like we saw a lot of people being very cautious and a lot of people not being cautious at all. Um, we saw, so the, the team cautious is Francesca, mm-hmm. uh, Mike, uh, mm-hmm. Even Jimmy, uh, who we don't usually see uh, on Team Caution, and then um, <laughs> and then on the other side of people who I didn't think were being cautious enough uh, were Howard. I think Howard does not know what he I know. is probably getting himself into. He's trying to play Jimmy and Kim. I I don't even think he knows Kim's not really on his radar, but um, I don't he think knows so either. Yeah, and Kim like is you. the mastermind behind all this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, uh, but he is not taking uh, Jimmy and obviously not Kim as uh, a big a threat as he should. See, um, I don't agree with that because I think he, he having this PI on Jimmy is him trying to be cautious. Now we know that he doesn't he doesn't have an eye on Kim, and that could prove to his detriment. But still, he is he's trying. He's he is trying. He's I think being yeah. cautious with Jimmy, but. Because yeah. of because of that, he's not being cautious enough by thinking Kim has more to do with it than what she does. He's got the PI right. on Jimmy. Yeah, he's the, all so, the yeah. all the pictures are about Jimmy and what's Jimmy up to. Yeah. Well, what's little Kimmy over here? We don't see any pictures of Kim and what she's been up to and a report mm-hmm. on her. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. There's a part of me that just thinks he thinks that Jimmy is up to no good shenanigans. Yeah. yeah the typical. I don't Jimmy. think he sees yeah. that they're trying to ruin him. Um, so yeah. I, that's a fair point that you think he has been cautious with the, but I, I, I think he doesn't know what he is in for. I agree with that. Yeah. So I don't as cautious as he's being, he's, he doesn't, but, but right. I think maybe he'll find, he'll get some info from the PI, but that yeah. could be wrong. We'll see. I, I don't know. I kind of hope so. Cause I really don't want anything bad to happen to Howard, uh, or at least, I don't want him to die and I certainly don't want to see him completely ruined. Um, so I don't know. I, I do wonder how, if, if he'll be able to foil their plans in any way and get a heads up. What about worry. Lalo? Is he cautious? That, yeah, no, he is team not cautious because he was really strolling through those woods. He had his gun drawn, but like, I would have been like looking over my shoulder left and right. I guess that's not Lalo's got that swagger that he's, you know, fearless, but I thought that very same thing that if that guy, if Casper had swung the business end of that ax instead of the blunt end, that would have been the end. And Mm -hmm. so I thought Lalo was not being team cautious there. And um, I'm surprised that he even let Casper get the upper hand on him. The Lalo in his house with all the mercenaries there and that Lalo there in the woods was seemed a little, I thought, dude, you're, you're not as poised or ready for this dude to yeah. like jump out of nowhere is what I had thought you would be. You know, he was on his game there in Mexico when they showed up at his house to to kill him. So I was a little little surprised at how kind of chill he was. Well, he was like walking around and looking everywhere and 
the guy it's his place he knows all the nooks and crannies and stuff yeah yeah I get, and, and fi- uh, finally uh, MVP of team not cautious is Kim for mm, obvious yeah. reasons if you watch the episode at all <laughs> yeah Kim she's she's throwing it all to the wind I mean even to the point of like crossing over one of those medians in the middle of yeah, the highway reckless. Kim in a car oh, just scares reckless. me anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome alright Rima do you have any more points I don't have any points um, notes uh, the burner phones was a great. I just always got a giggle every time in B- Breaking Bad when <laughs> Saul would open up his drawer and there's burner phones everywhere. Here, pick one, take this one. Um, I always think of the again. Hello Kitty phone that he gets. The Hello to Kitty. <laughs> always I love the Hello that. Kitty burner phone. Absolutely, I love the scene with Mike. Um, I mean, yeah. if your heart didn't break a little bit for for Mike and how much his family really does mean to him, which you know, knowing how all that plays out in Breaking Bad, just does make it all the more tragic um i mean you can say what you will about mike i i know we were talking earlier is he a good guy or is he not i don't know the answer to that i mean he oy but um it it it, you can see when somebody really does something for their family when walt kept it's for my family it's for my family when it wasn't it was for him but with mike you can see he does this for his family so there's a difference there and this is a uh, Tyrus didn't approve of Mike taking guys off watching his own house while he has guys watching over his daughter-in-law and granddaughter. Yep. But Mike's like too bad. But uh, then yeah. he goes and calls and has a little, I mean, it was a little weird because they like pulled out this big telescope just to look at stars for like 30 for like, seconds. Yeah. For like a minute. <laughs> Time for but, bed. <laughs> uh, I guess Mike didn't want to go out and look with them just because, um, I mean, it would be weird to come out of that house right across the street, but just go there and and hang out with him. He's supposed to be out of town, right? Is that that's well? He said that, but he that was a lie. But why lie about that? And I guess it's because he doesn't want to be around them and have Lalo show up. He doesn't want to be around his family when yeah, yeah. I don't think he put them in danger. danger. I mean, he is around. He's right across the street, but he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't want to put him in danger. Well, maybe it's also to excuse because if he's busy running around. running gus's operation watch watching for lalo oh. then maybe he's not able to spend the time that he did before with with kaylee because he was okay picking her up from so school babysitting her so he's got to be like well i i'm not going to be around like at all okay. so i need yeah. some type of excuse sense. to why i'm not around maybe got it anything else um no i i liked the um clary had a good point with with dr caldera um i i think it it was interesting to hear hit like who he is and that he's like this gateway to Albuquerque's like criminal world and his whole encyclopedia of these assets that he has, how that ends up in Saul's hands and it becomes like, that's what Saul be- um, then becomes. So I just, I like that introduction and yeah, that's all I've got. Let's see. I just had a couple. Uh, we saw Saul Goodman's client agreement in the printer that um francesca took it out and it it was long i'll just read the first paragraph thank you for entrusting the offices of saul goodman and associates with your needs as your counsel i saw goodman attorney at law will work tirelessly to achieve speedy justice for you <laughs> and he charges 150 dollars an hour which i think is actually pretty low even for 2004 yeah. but i guess it's because he caters to a clientele that doesn't have much money i don't know maybe he'll raise his prices um, and then 
uh, from Better Call Saul Insider Podcast, we learned that the fake judge actor guy is in real life the father of the woman who plays Aaron from Davis and Maine. Oh. That was kind of interesting. And uh, I guess that's it. That's all I had. He's also from, um, what was it? Um, Bob Odenkirk's old show. Mr. Show. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he seemed like a Mr. Show kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> nice to have him. He said something there. so funny too. The she's doing his makeup and he, she's like, Oh, you're doing such a good job. And he says something like, Oh, I'm trying so hard. and when when jimmy tells him he's like just just stick to the, don't improvise when <laughs> it's kind of what the whole i think thing with mr show was about improv <laughs> yeah all right that was good let's take a little break there's more to come stay with us All right, we're back. It's time for some news. All right, a couple of items this week. Uh, the first one is from The Hollywood Reporter. This was an interview with writer um, Ariel Levine. Um, she did a great job this week. Um, they asked, mm-hmm. they said, uh, so in the teaser, we revisit teenage Kim in Red Cloud, Nebraska, and despite resisting her mother's bad influence in season five's flashback, that type of behavior seems to be rubbing off on her after a failed attempt at shoplifting. Did you view this experience as the first time Kim stepped out of line with her mother's involvement? She says, I'm not entirely sure if it's her mom's influence. Kim probably doesn't even know why she did what she did. We also don't know if it's her first time. She's a little surprised to find herself there, and she's even more surprised when her mom shows up and seemingly holds Kim accountable for her actions. Seems that Kim likes having that boundary set for her, but then to have her mom pull the rug out from under her is tragic. Yep. I read that this writer, she, I think this is fairly common. I don't know if it's common on every show, but in the Breaking Bad world for writers to start out as just production or assistants, writer's assistants or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they become, they like will co-write a script. And then I think this is the first one that she actually wrote in full. And I was like, man, I wish I'd gotten one of those jobs when I was like 21 years old. Or something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's what I've pushed my daughter to do. Cause she wants to be a TV writer. Um, mm-hmm. But Jennifer Hutchinson is another writer that started out on Better Call, or sorry, Breaking Bad, but she was like a PA, writer's assistant. She started out at the very low um, end of the totem pole and ended up being able to be in the in the writer's room. She's great. Too, contributed. Yeah. She's fantastic. Um, so, yeah, she now just she's worked her way Lord up. the Rings. Yeah, it's, it just shows how, mm-hmm. you know, the show really does kind of promote great people and great ideas inside and, you know, produces mm-hmm. amazing people i just wonder because i don't think i'm a very good writer of stories and fiction and stuff but i wonder if being in that environment might sort of inspire you you how to do it you know just being around people seeing how it's done the nuts and bolts and stuff i don't know iron sharpening iron 
Yeah. 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 That's a, that would be an absolute dream job for me too, because I am a writer and I love writing and I would love to write for a show like this, or I'm sure. Uh, you might be great at it. <laughs> well, thanks. And yeah. that's a good point that uh, you made. You were really uh, in the writer's head when you said Kim wanted boundaries. Jason, you said that earlier. Mm-hmm. I think I read that article. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> no, I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, when she reached uh, for her hand, that's what. I was going to say, she, yeah, that was, yeah. she was like, oh, you know, yes, my mom not feeling like, you know, Kim's always having to be the parent and parent herself. Mm-hmm. Her mom was the mom. It was a heartbreaking sequence of events. It was heartbreaking. Her mom just was started sad. laughing and let go of her hand. And- Gen X, man. We had it rough. Um, <laughs> Next question. Um, they ask, I've often felt bad for Howard and I feel even worse for him now that I know the state of his marriage. But at the same time, I also care about Kim and Jimmy and want their Howard plane to succeed so they don't get hurt. Since you showed us a rare, rare glimpse of Howard's personal life, do you very much want the viewer to feel conflicted about rooting for Kim and Jimmy's scheme? She says, I know I feel bad for Howard. I'll say that it's pretty sad and he's been through so much. He thought he was responsible for pushing his mentor and law mentor to suicide. And he had to go through this whole journey to process his grief and come out the other side. And now we're learning that he doesn't have a supportive partner at home. But I think the concept of what people deserve, what any of us deserve, is kind of tricky. Did Kim deserve to get stuck in doc review? Did Jimmy deserve to be passed over time and again and condescended to by Howard? However we feel about it all, I know that Kim and Jimmy have convinced themselves that they are in the right and that makes us feel conflicted. It's more dramas, uh, more drama for us all. Yeah, that's what we love about these shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're gray area. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, we did have um, there was an interview with Tony Dalton who plays Lalo on uh, AMC dot com. Um, there's some of this from last week, um, but I thought some of this was kind of interesting getting his perspective on his character and what he's been up to. Um, They asked him, they said, we've always known Lalo was dangerous, but he's covered it with his charm. This season, it seems he's not playing around. How has that changed the way that you play him? He said, I think this time Lalo took it personally. We've never seen Lalo upset before, you know. He kind of didn't take any of this very seriously until they went to his house and killed all his people. So he's got rage in his mind as opposed to at any time we've seen him before. As for the approach, the approach was the same as always. The character was already there. You just go with what's written. It's a different side of Lalo that maybe we hadn't seen before, but he was always there. Mm. And they asked. That's a good point. You don't think about that, but like his, you know, his relatives, innocent relatives got massacred. Yeah. Innocent people. I mean, yes, they were working for a drug lord, but. They, they were innocent themselves and, you know. And, well, and not all of them were. They were just like grandma and some, were there kids there? I don't remember. Um, then they ask, is it purely vengeance that's driving Lalo at this point or is there something else? And he said, I think it's vengeance. You know, they went to his house, they killed Lalo's people, which you can obviously say he's not happy about that. He says it in the first episode to his uncle, to Tio, screw everybody, screw Bolsa, screw Eladio. I'm going after Gus and I'm going to hurt him and I'm going to kill him the way that you taught me. So, yeah, he's pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then they said it's obviously a tense moment because I know we talked about this. So I thought this was interesting because we kind of debated this um, uh, in our last episode when we talked about it. They said it's obviously a tense moment when Marguerite returns to the house and Lalo's still inside. 
Obviously, he ends up leaving before faced with the decision, but do you think he definitely would have killed her had he been discovered? <laughs> he said, you'd have to ask the writers. Um, as actors, it's hard for us to say. I don't know what would happen, but I think that if she would show up, he would kill her. But then again, ask Allison Tat Tatlock, who wrote it. Maybe the writers would say, nope, he'd put her to sleep. It's up to them. I wish I could say to you, here's what would happen, but I can't say that because it would be jumping over the writers who've done such a great job on this show and not giving them credit for creating the stories in the situations where Lalo's around. Very gracious. Yeah. yeah it's nice. He's being very gracious. Um, he's really great in that role. I'm going to kind of, I feel oh like he's going to die. So I kind of feel like it's going to be yeah. a, a sad moment. He's He's been so much fun um, seeing him come on scene you know, um, has been entertaining. Definitely. Uh, each Salamanca has, is so nuanced and so vastly different than the other and all just so enjoyable to watch in their own uh, delightful, despicable way. Yep. <laughs> and he is, he's, he's uh, at, at the top of, of that. He's definitely, you know, he's a little more fleshed out and a little more complicated, he's a little bit smarter. More complicated, yep. He's not just the brawn. He's, you know, He's, he's, got he's, a, he's been a great character. Yeah, definitely. Yep. That's all I've got. That was good. All right, let's move into listener feedback. Would you like to go first, Claire? Sure. Um, okay, Peg Allen says, I'm just a little mad it ended there. I was so amped up to see what this big D-Day plan is supposed to be. The scene with Mike watching his granddaughter was really sadly sweet, and I actually did wonder if they would kill off Lalo so unceremoniously, but of course not. Dude's too slick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this episode, yeah, where it ended, it was hard, harder than most because we want to know what D-Day is, and Kim's mm -hmm. on her way back, and yet and they had to cut it off. But we'll find out next week. Yeah. Jorel Little says, good episode, not great. Feels like a setup episode. But the parallel between Jimmy going back to box Howard and Kim turning back in the road is something. They just can't help themselves. I think y'all are right. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Lalo's totally buried in that lab somewhere. Thanks for the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Bianca Vargas says, best quality vacuum with a surprised emoji and a heart-eyed emoji. <laughs> Uh, Daphne Backman says, I really wanted to know more about D-Day. Lalo is like a cat with nine lives and he's super resourceful. This season is making me want to dive into Breaking Bad, even though I originally gave up after three episodes. Oh my goodness. Also, <laughs> Kim, uh, why do I feel like this decision, this, uh, decision that changes her fate forever? Yep. Cause it probably it's is. It's a huge pivotal I think so. moment. Gijo Puthia. Um, I'm absolutely captivated by Lalo. What a tough, sneaky SOB. He got an axe to the stomach and actually kind of gave props to his attacker. Sort of like, oh, you <laughs> rascal, you got me, LOL. <laughs> he kind of did, didn't he? <laughs> um, Kim, that flashback shows her upbringing was so misguided. D-Day, so what? She should have pursued the more noble, noble career move. Instead, she is choosing deception and revenge. I am actually rooting for Howard now. What makes this show or any listeners in this or any shows in this universe amazing is how nuanced the characters are. You start out rooting for one and it can switch up at any time. Well said. Yeah, yeah. so true. 
Bryson Wolf says, this episode ended and I couldn't believe it was already over. These episodes have been flying by. Is this the first time we're seeing Howard's wife? Yes. I can't recall seeing her before. That opening scene had me feeling kind of bad even more for Howard, seeing how hollow his relationship with his wife is. He put so much effort into making her some coffee, and she didn't seem to appreciate it. Maybe Craig Kettleman could come over and show Howard some appreciation for giving him some (laughs) coffee he gets to enjoy for once. (laughs) Nice. He's really putting things together here. Uh, Lalo always comes with a trick up his sleeve. Of course, he brought a razor blade to hide behind the card. I'm not sure I believe he's so tough that he could withstand an axe hit and be able to take out the burly lumberjack slash super meth lab contractor. Well, it was the blunt end of the axe, but still, and broke his rib. He says, I was a little sad for Mike not being able to stargaze with his granddaughter and having to pretend he's out of town while watching them from inside. He doesn't seem to think she and her mother would be safe being seen with him. I'm not sure if I missed something, but I was confused by the broken arm and no mustache scene at the end. Yeah. So we didn't really specifically say that, but they've got some pictures and I think some video of this judge that they're going to use in the scam, but then they realize, Oh wait, the judge has a uh, cast on his arm. So they, whoever sees these pictures will know it's not actually the judge because he has no cast. Mm -hmm. And also was it? Yeah. That he actually did have more of a curly mustache like than they thought like he it had changed. I thought maybe that was part of it too, because they made a big deal about maybe the mustache wasn't. Well, was Kim told him to trim it and wax it. Um, yeah, and then when they saw the judge in the liquor store, his mustache was very torn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, all in all, it was another good episode building up for what's to come. Can't wait to see what D Day brings. Uh, Gail Cleary says, I think the title should have been The Lives You Think They Are Living. The entire show was a contrast of surface versus below the surface. We open with Howard, who seems to have an ideal life, a spectacular home, a snazzy car, and all the toys right down to a shoe polisher. Then we meet his wife, and the life Howard's actually living sucks. My heart shriveled and cried up around the corners when his wife slopped that beautiful latte into uh, the to-go cup. All our hearts did that. Uh, what on earth happened there? Did he cheat on her? Run over her pet dog on the driveway? Why are they pretending to the outside world that they are still together when they are clearly not? Howard's real life seems miserable, lonely, and bleak. Surely nothing to envy if people really knew. All that. Yeah. I mean, I think there, we don't know, but something clearly happened in their marriage or it's just they're losing their spark or whatever. But he mentioned in therapy that I think he's been trying, but she hasn't been trying. So I don't think they're divorced, but it feels like their marriage is just dying and he's trying to revive it while she's just not. (laughs) Yeah. I think she's just bored with him and disinterested and isn't wanting to make the effort like he is. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just sad. But it seems like she's wanting to break up, you know? Like, yeah, maybe, but you know, it might just be. She doesn't um, even want to go. Maybe to she the, likes the lifestyle and doesn't want to really get go through with getting divorced. So maybe you know, yeah. just well, this is just our lives now. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I think there's a lot of couples who kind of just learn to live in loveless marriages and mm-hmm. become roommates. So it could go on like that for a long time. Yep. 
going on. Jimmy is followed by the PI for a couple of weeks. It seems he has a boring life of work and home. The PI did see one suspicious bank transaction, but apparently missed the film crew impersonating the judge and the scam to infiltrate HHM that went down in the parking lot. Not to mention experimentation with eye color change or midnight visits to a vet when the only pet he has is a fish. <laughs> Jimmy's real life is shenanigan central. True. You know, um, they, that comment about eye color change, somebody else are mentioned. Oh, it's uh, later on in this letter. She says, hasn't Jimmy ever heard of colored contacts? But I don't think it was about changing his eye color. It just, his it pupils his were dilated. dilated. That's mm-hmm. why they were looking in the mirror. Cause his big, big black people in the center. Yep. Mm. Uh, Kim looks like she is a button down crusader tilting at the windmill of equal justice. A peek into her childhood shows a mother grooming her in the life quote unquote from a very <laughs> young age. Kim's real life involves a broken child on a quest to find someone to hold her hand back. It also uh, seems to be hurting people when she is given literally every chance to stop. I really hope Howard makes it out of this alive. Mike looks like a businessman away on a trip. Mike's real life is being security slash bagman to a drug cartel. True. Francesca looks like an office manager for an upstart law firm. Tragically, she comes to understand that her real job involves hurting barely functioning functioning. Uh, Hurting barely functional criminals, running scams for Jimmy, and clean up on aisle nine. Uh, I was thrilled to hear her uh, hear her that one he, to hear her that one at least. But I worry about what her real job is going to do to her. The money just isn't worth it. I think she was going to say, hear her say no about the clean up. Yeah, do it yourself. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, even the vet is living a double life. It's hilarious that his little black book is in code. Even that is not what it seems. But at least he comes to realize he is happier just as a vet. I think before this is all over, Kim has to use that vacuum service and get a new life card. Mm. Just a couple more thoughts. Lalo versus German John Wick was terrifying. <laughs> um, I want to marry Howard's coffee machine. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't Jimmy ever heard of colored contacts? And thanks for the podcast. Can't wait to hear what everyone else thinks. Nice. That's great. Gail has great messages. This is so true about everyone living these double lives. I think uh, to an extent, a lot of people are like that. You see one face publicly or on social media, but then if you got to know them better, you'd, you'd see a lot more and different kinds of things good and bad <laughs> well and that's what's so great about tv shows and especially a tv show like this is we get to as the viewer get to yeah. see all of it and totally you know it's we it's can great just, like you can't go to the store and just stare at someone and see what they do <laughs> next <laughs> look into their window at night you can't right what their lives like, really look like <laughs> you're not supposed to do that but <laughs> whatever <laughs> Nan Imus says, I'm pretty sure mid-season finale is going to be epic. Yeah. I think you're right. We got a couple calls. Here's Steve Brown. Hello, David, Jason, and Rima. This is Steve, and this is for Axe and Grind. Back and Grind? What was it? Yeah. Anyway, I just watched the episode once. Um, 
I don't really have time to live Steve it because I'm fixing to go on vacation. <laughs> I'm, but I did love it. I, I loved the the fact that that Jimmy saw the judge with his broken arm, and he's like, every picture you see his arm, and it's not broken. And it's like, but it's really lucky that I actually saw him because now we know and we can deal with it. But it is, uh, it's kind of messed up that Kim's gonna miss her meeting, I guess, and uh, taking that U turn in the middle of the freeway. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> this season has been great. I've loved all of this show and I can't wait to watch Breaking Bad after this show finishes and uh, I wonder if you guys are going to podcast, do a rewatch podcast of Breaking Bad. Just a suggestion, a thought. Um, But yeah, uh, everything about it is great. I can't wait to see the culmination of this plan next week. I'm sad that I'm going to be on vacation. I won't be able to send you in my thoughts right away because I think I'll be in Canada on the day that drops. So Mm -hmm. anyway, (laughs) talk to you later. I like Steve. I like when you mix it up every once in a while and just send some thoughts in, but the live Steve's Steve's are really fun mm-hmm. too. Thank but you, Steve. That was cool. And I think you should definitely do a Breaking Bad podcast, Steve. Can't wait to hear it. Yep. <laughs> You've done sent it out into the universe. It has to happen now. <laughs> and here's uh, David Skidmore. Hey, Jason and Rima and David, this is David in Tennessee. And I tweeted this to you earlier, but I just wanted to flesh out a theory. So Edgar Allan Poe wrote a short story called The Cask of Amontillado, which may be familiar to many who remember freshman English. The story is about a man who takes fatal revenge on a friend who he believes has insulted him. The story revolves around two main characters, Montresor and Fortunato. Montresor invites Fortunato to sample some Amontillado wine in his underground family vault. For unknown reasons, Montresor seeks revenge upon Fortunato and is actually luring him into a trap. During their walk down into the cave, Montresor mentions his family coat of arms, which is a golden foot in a blue background crushing a snake whose fangs are embedded in the foot's heel with the motto that translates, no one provokes me with impunity. Montresor gets Fortunato drunk and then shackles him in one of the underground catacombs and reveals a trowel and bricks and proceeds to entomb his enemy alive. While many have speculated that Lalo is going to be killed in some sort of confrontation down in the lab and then buried there, I think it would be unlike Gus to let Lalo off so easily. He wanted Hector to suffer slowly, and I imagine that his hatred for Lalo was even more intense. Professor, uh, producer Peter Gould, he keeps saying that when this series is done, we'll not see Breaking Bad in the same way. One way that would be true is if Lalo is maimed by a gunshot in the dark and then entombed alive in that tunnel that Mike has already referenced. He told Gus nobody could come in that way, which also serves as proof that maybe nobody could go out that way. Hmm. What a horrible way to die, but what a way for Gus to get revenge on someone who has insulted him and a way to send a message that no one provokes him with impunity. If this happens, I may not be able to sleep after that episode, knowing that his body has been down there the entire time, the stench of Lalo's dead body drawing flies. Well, at least... One fly. This is my theory. I'm referring to as the cast of Amante Lalo. This is David in Tennessee. You guys have a great day. Take care. Oh, Oh, shit. That's dark. The crazy thing is if he would be able to keep him in there and then like put some food in there every once in a while, because that was Gus's story, right? That there was some animal. That's what he told. um, Yeah. That ate his fruit and kept it alive so he could. Like he watched, it. he wanted um, Hector to suffer. Like yeah. he made this, oh, it's terrible to say, this animal suffer in that same way. And that totally speaks to his character. I could totally see him doing right. something like that. Like he's not going to let Lala <laughs> go out easy with a gunshot and die. He's going to, like, you're going to suffer. That's why in Breaking Bad, when they were down there, every once in a while, you'd hear, Hoo! 
Yeah. <laughs> like, what was that? Did Is you know what that, that was? Yeah, that hear, was Lava. Hear him over all the machines, the meth, meth machines. All coming together. I do think he's in there. It's really dark. Whether That's or not, like seven. He, like keeping someone alive so that you can just yeah, but it dark. is Gus. I say I, mean, I feel like Gus is to do something like that. He's terrible. All right, that is our show. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, it was Claire. a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun. This was great. This was great. Good, good. Um, If you guys want to write in or leave us a message, you can find all our contact information at podcastica.com. While you're there, be sure to check out our other shows. Yeah, like Remus covering Ozark on Strange Indeed. I've been very much enjoying listening to you guys. Glad to have Pate back on last time. I'm so glad I got to join. Yeah, we're having a good good time. Mm-hmm. Um, Ozark, that's two intense shows wrapping up here. I, I oh boy, yeah. I I might be able to like start sleeping at night. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> and we just did uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Me and Kirk over on Walking Dead casts like a two and a half hour podcast, and uh, we geeked out on that one. I, I like that movie more than most people. It's great. Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi's great. Mm-hmm. Well, here, um, th- our next episode is Better Call Saul Season 6, Episode 7, Plan and Execution, written and directed by Tom Schnauz. <laughs> he's one of the OGs, yeah, he, too. Yeah, Tom Schnauz, Peter Gould. Yep. That's right. All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening. Are you going to edit this one? Do it yourself. <laughs>